want to know what a zero wrote in his family's receipts. There's no fucking money. You're supposed to be earners. That's why you got the top tier positions. So each one of you go out to your people on the street, crack some fucking heads, create some fucking earners out there. What's up with y'all, man? This is uh this is a brand new podcast. This is Good Earners reviewing Sopranos. I have a co-host with me, a brother of mine. If y'all haven't heard our partnership, our collaboration on another week in the books, it's Spike Lou. You want to introduce yourself, brother? Top of the A well, people don't know what time it is, but top of the top of the day to you. <laughs> yeah. Um Definitely ready to kick off this good earnest Sopranos review podcast, uh, a uh, project that we had in mind and had been cultivating from the Another Week in the Books theme or podcast. So I can't wait to get started and do this, man. I love this show. Absolutely. Um, before we get right into it, uh, uh-huh. can you speak to, and we'll probably periodically do this, but can you speak to what? What this show has meant to you, like back in the day, because I know you was of age in real time. I don't know if you mm-hmm. checked it out at that time, but what it meant for you then and what does it mean for you now? I think um, I know I wasn't watching it when it was coming on. Um, I believe Jay Hove may have put me on this show, man. Mm. I, don't, I don't think I seen the first episode and I wasn't following. This was DVD time. So I remember like buying burnt DVDs to watch this because <laughs> I didn't have HBO. Um, but we was always coming up. When I say we, I mean like young black men. We fascinated with the mafia culture. Oh, yeah. I feel like so this was just something that was going to dive in, show us more. And I was excited once I got to hear the premise and what was going on about it. But I wasn't familiar. I wasn't anticipating it. It was just something that I came across because someone knew that we liked those type of things. That type of movie showed it to me and was like, this could be good. And from that first episode, I was hooked. This is like really? I've watched The Sopranos. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, just because of how differently it was done. It was showing like a mob boss almost in a. Cosby setting for lack of a better <laughs> like scenario like with the family like the everyday shit that go on behind the mafia you hadn't seen that before so that was really intriguing and interesting to me and the psychiatry part of it having Dr. Melfi and the whole therapy part this may have made me more open to going to therapy if I'm looking at it in my life actually um, this was probably the first time that I seen like a man sit there and go through it and, and it be We'll get into as we talk about this if it was helpful to Tony or not. But mm-hmm. it was the first time that I actually got to see somebody go through that, so that was pretty dope, one hundred percent. And then now I still watch this shit all the time, man. I've I've watched The Sopranos straight through at least five times, Damn, at the very joke. least five times. Uh, because rem- I were this was back struggle college days. You don't have cable. You have a DVD player. So you're looking mm-hmm. at the same goddamn DVDs all the time. And <laughs> mine was the burnt Sopranos copies. So absolutely. And what a set to have I, when you ain't got cable. Man, when you ain't, that's the best thing to watch when you ain't yeah, got cable. Run that back. Run it again. Start yeah, over. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you? What does that mean to you? 
Uh, <clears throat> I came across Sopranos really like most people my age. Uh, in '99, uh, I was nine, so definitely wasn't watching it then. I'm 32 now. Uh, coming across, I used to see it all the time on HBO Max. Um, and I, I heard about this. I used to hear it like through other review podcasts. I just would hear about the Sopranos and I've tried to pick it up a few times and it just felt so boring in the initial, the color wow, of it. Really? Yeah. Like, cause the color of it looks so old and I don't know. It just, at the moment, it's just like, man, what is this? Like, cause I just did not understand the premise. Like I never fully heard people go into it. So you look at the cover, mm. you see Tony Soprano, you see the New Jersey backdrop and you see him with like a trench coat on. I don't know what, who this guy is or what he is. Like, so watching him coming into the office, I'm like, I'm not picking up that he's a mobster. Like I just wasn't. You just started watching it. I just started watching it. So that's crazy. I kept what did getting, you hear about it? Oh, you said review podcast. Through review podcast. But I kept, I kept always getting to the part, the part where, uh, uh, Christopher and Big Puss was trying to get rid of the body and then I always kept dropping off there so finally during the pandemic I was like man no bump this I'm going to watch this oh and that was the first time you watched it yeah really yeah which is a lot of oh, people's first yeah. time ironically wow. that's and crazy yeah it is for real like because I was nine when it came out so but when I watched it by the time I got to the, the pivotal episode um, the fourth episode of the, the first season it was it was essential. Uh, people talk about that episode a lot. College, uh, and we'll get there. You know, we're definitely going to get there. But like Sopranos, what it means to me, it it changed my life, dude. Like, and we'll talk about moments and things. Like Spike has alluded to, he he alluded to the fact that they made him consider you know therapy. And I'd be honest, me too. Like I started picking up certain mannerisms from Tony. Like I tell you what, I did do a lot. I know we're going to get into it, but I, it's it's our pilot episode too, so. I tell you what I did pick up from Tony right away, like his breathing technique, even though I know that's a part of his character and, and all of that, his breathing, I, I definitely started to pick that up because it actually worked for me, like breathing more before speaking. So, mm -hmm. but we'll, we'll, we'll get more into that. Like, but I didn't so, even pick up on that. One thing off of that as well, you know, um, I'm listening to this book called, um, God, what's the name? I'm listening to a book about the uh, leading men and how the role like Tony Soprano, Walter White, like how those guys started become leading characters. And that was the leading character in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. But it was talking about what made me think of it when you said it, it was talking about you said you picked up Tony's mannerisms. This uh, role for James Galdolfini was very damaging Gandalfi, however you pronounce it this was very damaging to his life he started to carry himself like tony outside of his just to do very detrimental stuff uh there would be days he wouldn't just he wouldn't come to work uh i know mm -hmm. one time a specific story they were telling uh they couldn't find him for like mm -hmm. a whole tape and he called david chase from like a beauty salon in queens or something mm -hmm. uh just randomly uh but the name of the book is difficult men is by brett martin and it's about like again leading characters and the evolution of tv when the bad guy is the lead character like tony soprano like walter white um don draper from mad man mad man but mm -hmm. it's really good it's been a good book do they have um uh the guy from peaky blinders or maybe this book came out no i think this, this may be even before that okay um, okay i know who you're talking about though yeah he's a really good i still haven't Oh, I still man. cut that one off though. Oh yeah, that, that, I'm, that, I'm like 
Yeah. I made it to season two, episode two, where the lady's son came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, season two is like top five in their their seasons. Really? Yeah. Like, cause by the time you get to that finale, you're like, yo, like, but we'll, we'll get there. You know, this is the Sopranos. This is good earners. This is, this is what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we get into the first scene of the show, I do want to preface is that the way we're going to do our podcast, and I, I, I do want to shout out other podcasts. I know that's not cool to do because people have their ego and they don't want to, you know, give it up to people that have inspired them. So I'm going to shout out a few podcasts here before I say what the intent of the show is and how it will be uh, framed. So I, I say shout out to Talking Sopranos. Uh, of course, they were two characters, uh, Bobby Bacala and Christopher Moltisanti. A shout out to them giving the inside scoop and the stories. I listened to that straight through. In at the end, obsessive uh, Pac, uh, Sopranos review. They were really detailed about colors and themes and concepts. Uh, there's a few more, but those are the two, the most uh, pot of being really good. You know, he, he carried it mostly solo, but he definitely he made it fun mm-hmm. for me. So those are three that I would say there's some other honorable mentions, but those are the main three that uh, impacted me on doing this. Now, what we're going to do here, since we got plenty of Soprano podcasts, one, we're giving you out a black perspective like that's that's a clear indication. I can look at the cover and see that. So nobody we haven't really seen a black podcast, black podcast leads talk about a show with Italian mob- mobsters. So that's what we're here to do. We're going to give our perspective when we see black characters, but we're going to give our perspective over the show. And this show is not about the outside in source, uh, outside resources or uh, information that we found out about scenes, but it's more so we're going to live in the world of New Jersey as Tony Soprano, the mobster boss. We're only going to break this down from how it is in the show as if it was real life. We're not going to bring in like this person came in this part. We're going to actually deal with it from the actual scenarios of the Sopranos. So with that being said, we hop right in. We in scene one, uh, Dr. Melfi's office. Tony is sitting there patiently and and I love it (laughs) sitting there so quietly and peaceful. He's looking at this turquoise statue in between the legs and he's staring at it really weird. Uh, Spike, do you do you think Tony has a thing for art? Like, uh, that's a good question. I don't think that he he knows there's something there. He's because that's like you said, not the first time, but I think that he's trying to figure out like meanings behind things. I think he's a lot deeper of a character, and that was them trying to show us that. Like, he has a surface Tony Soprano, and then there's a deeper Tony Soprano that we'll get to as far as, like you said, when he's viewing the art, uh, when he's had a dream, the fucking ducks, the horse, things of that nature. But yeah, yeah. They, I think that they show, they're trying to show that there's a deeper, not just mafia boss uh, look to him. So he, he gets in the office. Uh, Dr. Melfi comes in. Uh, she invites him in. So he has a seat. And I thought this is just interesting because I, I, I wish, and I don't know, maybe when we get to those scenes of the buildup of why he's there. But I wish I would have got a little bit more of like his thought process in going to therapy because I, I imagine that's like well, he, super- he fell out. Remember, he had the panic attack and his neighbor. So I told you, I said five times. Yeah, Cusimano. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, his neighbor, Dr. Cusimano, suggested that he go see Dr. Melfi to figure out why he was having what was triggering those panic attacks. So he didn't think that he needed it, and he knew that he really couldn't talk to her and be open 
mm-hmm. which I like about how that first, like that perf, that was the perfect first scene to frame the pilot, because it's it's almost introducing us as viewers of the show to like, okay, here's how this story is going to be told. It's going to be told from this guy's perspective. Here are the things that he deals with. Here are the characters, and. I really like the way that he presented that to Melfi and, and how they did that to introduce the pilot. Did you pick up something different from it? No, I I I, I guess here's why I say that. Like, yeah, I, I know Coos. 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 Coos told him, you know, advised him to do that. But I guess from him being, you know, well, in, on the way to being, you know, the, the boss, because we'll find mm-hmm. that out later on. But it just seems like it's such a super no-go. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay, I need this. This is going to help me get through panic attacks. I'm going to stop falling out every time I'm somewhere. Whatever this this feeling, this ginger ale in my head feeling that I'm feeling, this is going to help. But then you say, oh, you got to talk about, oh, whoa, whoa, we, we, don't, we don't talk about this thing of ours. You know what I'm saying? So I guess it's like therapy is, well, you know, is built on honesty. And so they lie majority of the time. That's a part of their business model to, to get ahead. So coming mm-hmm. to that, I, I'm just surprised more so than anything that he was willing to do this. And he had to have a level of honesty coming in if, for it to work. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It adds to the depth of the show. Um, I looked at it as when I spoke of the Cosbys and that, like you, like again, you don't really, I know you had analyzed this with Robert De Niro and, and Billy Crystal. It kind of maybe introduced this subject with a mobster going to see a therapist. Have you seen that movie? You heard of uh-uh. what movie? Analyze this? this and analyze that. It's a movie where Billy Crystal actually plays a psychiatrist and a mob boss has to go see the psychiatrist and he gets involved with the mob boss. It's decent, moderately to averagely funny. Back when I used to watch funny movies. It's, 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 it's okay. You would probably like it. Okay. I'm but I feel that. like the premise of that comes from this. It's analyze this and analyze that on a part one and two. And when I spoke of the Cosby's and even mentioning that movie, that's the great thing I feel like this show did because like you said, we know the general stigma of the mob. This thing of ours, don't speak on it. You can't do that. We know that. To see him in the first scene go to therapy, that's what had me hooked and intrigued from the beginning because like we don't see that, but you don't see the suburban dad part of the mafia. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was instantly hooked in it. Cause like what you're saying, it's like, well, I know he's not gonna well, just his how he was going to take the therapy, how he was even going to approach it. Because as we see throughout the series, he wasn't honest. He was manipulating Dr. Melfi just as he would anyone else in his life. But it did intrigue me from the origin of him going in there to see, like, okay, well, this is another facet. This is going deeper into that movie that I seen. And I've never seen that before. Mm. A psychiatrist and a mafia boss talking to him, spilling his guts, actually, and having to at least have the appearance of being honest. He ain't necessarily got to be honest, but he does mm. have to have that. As we seen him fake through some emotions and things in there, <laughs> like, Tony was a bad motherfucker. Man, man I love this guy. Like, absolutely <laughs> so she goes in and she says do you know what happened you know do you know what caused this is it stress and you know he goes on he says i don't know and but but what i like though before we get right into the the, the duck the duck scene uh the second scene uh, i like that there's this moment where there's this long pause <laughs> mm-hmm. when she asked him about his line of work 
Yeah, that was yeah. bro. I would tell you, I'm gonna have a lot of funny moments like this. I, I never laughed as much the first two times I've watched the whole series. Like this episode has so many like punches in there, and I think some of them weren't even intentional. But like that pause where he looked at her, I'm a, and I don't want to skip past that. Tony, his Clark Kent role here is waste management consultant. That's yeah. who he is by day. That's day. what he told her he did, right? <laughs> That's who he Fantastic. is by day. Absolutely. Yeah. So and That's I That's the I, cover. Yeah, that's the cover. But, that's the, yeah. What'd you say? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I, I was looking that up, and I said, you know what? It kind of fits because I was kind of reading the definition. I was like, I gotta know because he always say I'm in waste waste management consultant. Like he said that, and I was like, eh, he kind of is, but not in the regard of what he's talking. I mean, what mm-hmm. he's trying to lead people to believe. So I thought it was just funny that whole pause. Like, oh my god, that's dude. the when people ask, well, why the why would the hell would you? People probably thought. When I said I've watched it five times, that's the reason. Like every time you'll pick up on a little subtlety, something funnier. I didn't realize they did that. Mm-hmm. Those funny moments, it gets funnier every time you watch it, in my Boy. opinion. Lydia is the funniest character on here. Lydia Who? Soprano. Funny. Oh. Lydia. Oh, man. Uh, we'll get into Tony's mom. I do want to ask you, because this was in that scene as well, when Tony started telling about it. Did you pick up on the line that's essentially his thought process of series and what the series is around. Did you pick up on anything in there? Because I have it and I've heard David Chase speak about like what this line meant and how they built the show off of it. It's in that scene. I want to know that you pick up on it. Like, do you ain't pick the first up on scene. anything there? Mm-hmm. When he's uh, explaining his lifestyle, he's explaining what he does. And Dr. Melfi's kind of probing him about it. He mm. says something there that's kind of like the premise for everything that we see forward. Mm. Uh, it ain't like oh, what he says, feeling. right? Well, is it the line where after the waste, waste management consultant, mm-hmm. he says, it's impossible for me to talk to the psychiatrist. Oh, no, it was more so overall. That's. It's this is more so macro, and it wasn't no right or wrong. I just want to know that you pick up oh, on no, it. It was yeah. uh, when he says, "Lately, I'm feeling like I'm oh. getting in at the end of it." That's the premise of the whole show. Oh, That's man. his attitude. That's essentially the reason that he's in psychiatrist therapist because every time he speak of um, Chrissy's dad, Dicky Montesanti, every time he speaks of his dad, it was like the glory years, the wonder yeah. years. Yeah. Tony's dealing with feeling like. I got the shit in of the stick. Now I'm the boss. I'm fucking having panic attacks. I don't know who's telling or not. Junior old ass doing. We'll get into everything that I'm saying, mm, but yeah. he's essentially spilling all of this on her. And the whole premise, in my opinion, and what I've heard Chase say is like, what this is addressing is the end of eras. This is the end of the mafia area. Yes. Era. And Tony had to deal with ushering it into a new generation and actually trying to prevent it from going out leaving and Bro. that was his and what he was assigned with and that made the ending a lot better once i heard yeah. that yeah. because there was no I and mean, we'll get to that but, but that, like that, look that, spike that, cooking over here boy. yeah He's it, cook- but yeah that, but, that lately i'm getting to feeling like, like i came in at the end of the thing you'll hear junior say that to lydia yes. as well all of those guys and everybody in this world is kind of understanding and that's why this series is so great like man this this thing of ours is coming to a fucking end. Yes. And you see Tony at the Soprano, you see Tony at the psychiatrist trying to figure out, okay, it's coming to an end. What do I do next? Or how do I extend this? Yes. I feel like that's what he's trying to figure out throughout the series. You said that. And I, I, I actually see when, when you said it initially, I was thinking like, Oh, just the first scene, but you're saying like mm-hmm. in the laying, laying the premise out, talking premise to Melfi. Out. 
I I was I can I completely agree, and I was going to get there because for okay. some reason, like watching it this time, things slowed down, like like when yeah. you're in sports. And so when he said that, because there's a podcast I listened to in at the end that that that's mm-hmm. one of the the podcasts I shouted out. And so mm-hmm. when he said it, it actually frames it so differently now because yep. exactly. it, it it's like no Tony's trying to in some facet create these glory years, and he has such a fascination for uh, history. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing about it is, he doesn't have a fascination for people re- reminiscing over him, though. Hmm. Like, and I will, and I'll, I'll show you what I mean as we get further into these these reviews. But it's a hilarious thing where he said to one guy, "He's like, don't reminisce about me." Like he, you but were anyway, about the pitch. Yeah, yeah, we, but we'll keep going because I know me and you will stay right here on that. Right, 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 right. So he begins going into it in the second scene. Uh, uh, Tony begins telling about his day. You know, he he says, "A morning." I got uh, got sick. I was thinking about uh, it's it's good to, uh, it's good to be in something from the ground floor. And this is what mm-hmm. what Spike was speaking of, where he he says that he's lately I've been feeling like I'm coming in at the end, and he says the best is over. And I don't know. Sometimes some people on some sides feel like Tony is very smart, and then on the other side, some people feel like no, he's just witty or he's just clever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this, to me, this this um, insight, it speaks. It just speaks volumes, and we're not going to spend too much time there because you really laid it out perfectly. But this is the premise of the show, uh, absolutely. And there are a couple of things too with that statement, because like you said, some people view Tony as like he would tell AJ later, like you got the world by the fucking balls, dude. What what's your problem? Mm-hmm. Some people would look at Tony and be like, bro, you are the boss of the mob. Everybody fucking loves you in New Jersey. And here you are sombering over, oh, man, I got the short end of the stick because it ain't like Dickie mm-hmm. Moltisanti's days and it ain't like my dad's days. And mm-hmm. there was a a Carmella hit this on the head throughout the series as she would kind of agitate Tony to the, oh, here goes this depression bullshit again. What the fuck? <laughs> she she almost says that to him yeah. in this episode. Like, bro, like, what do you have to be depressed about? You fucking, yeah. you got a side bitch. You, like, you got all the money that mm-hmm. you want. Like, all of this stuff that she kind of lays out for him, and he's still in this, oh, woe is me attitude. Like, I think that's laid out greatly throughout the series. And another thing that, that like drew me in like this all is happening very early like we're talking about the first couple of scenes and you're looking <laughs> at all of these complexities like mm-hmm. oh shit i've yeah. never seen this presented in this manner before which is why i was hooked to be here and i think that it speaks volumes too that like there's this thing that we just do as human beings where it's it, the journey is more fun than the arrival mm-hmm. you know him working his way up to be made at some you know exactly. we don't get the whole you know what i mean it's i say here now this, what yeah i saved up mm-hmm. to get this to get this car you know i got now i got the car in three months i'm kind of like what? man i'm thinking i'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on this shit it don't I, feel like it, nothing no exactly more. so i think yeah. that is a, a thing too that he has to gather that understanding and at this point of his life it it could be true i mean i think it is true and we'll find out kind of the whole timeline of the existence of tony's reign uh as the the leader of the mob uh, in jersey but I do think that that is a a, a theme, an understanding that we all have. It's like the journey you love, like the, the struggle days, the come up days, the grinding days, the touching the touching the fans, touching the people uh, close knit to to when you finally arrive. It's like people you notice, like even artists, they reminisce of like, man, I remember back when I was in the basement. I remember back like people kind of enjoy thinking about those things more than the actual arrival. So I think for him, 
and he talk he talks about this later in the the seat later in the series where he he talks to seal and he says all due respect you have no idea what it's like to be number one like he talks yeah. about that and and that it's not fun it's not enjoyable right. like it like he's not he how th- you view it exactly like he I'm says right here you viewing it yeah exactly like he says i think about my father he never reached the heights like me in a lot of ways he had it better you see what i'm saying like because mm-hmm. he's glorifying and he has a skewed view but most times when we reminisce over thing everybody got a little bit of a skewed view it kind of fits yeah. the narrative or the idea in their mind but memories are a terrible thing people don't realize how bad terrible thing are. Really? memories are terrible people you know, you're really just filling the whole holes of stories with what you thought happened once time passes people don't realize you do that but my bad i didn't mean to cut off your floor no, go ahead no you're good uh so he's going into this thing and, and he's outside and, you know, he sees these ducks and the ducks are such a, 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 a animals are such a reoccurring thing. Spike, I wanted to ask, we know later on that Mel- Melfi reveals what it is about Tony and people like Tony, why they have such a fascination with animals. But taking that out of the picture, mm-hmm. you personally just. And I, I maybe you can or can't separate that, but do you think it's something else with Tony and ducks and animals, but ducks specifically in the family of ducks in this moment? What even though they address it in here, this used to bother me so much watching because I never, I'm not really an animal person. Mm-hmm. I have a dog now, and I never thought I would even get a dog. I, wow, the dog is cool, it's a good dog, but I've never been an animal person. So this was one of the small things that really irritated. <laughs> In me really? about this, uh, yeah, because I didn't get it, I didn't give a fuck or know why he was attracted <laughs> to that animal. Uh, those and like I did not care, I didn't think that the ducks had shit to do with it, but it does get to the point like those type of personalities and what animals mean and why they're so sensitive about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was weird to me at first, like first watch and, and keeping with the theme of the show and not doing any spoilers. I was like, bro, like, I don't give a fuck about these ducks. Mm-hmm. Like, where is it killing? Keep introducing me to the other gangsters. Like, what's going on? Okay. That, I don't give a goddamn about these ducks and, or why he's so happy about it was even more weird. In me out. Like, I just did not <laughs> understand. This nigga's in the tub, in, in the pool with his house. Cold on. Like, I just like, yeah, <laughs> now like, yeah. you're doing too much for the ducks. Yeah. So. Uh, that's how I was at first. Did you look at it differently or did you feel a connection with the ducks immediately? I mean, the initial, I was like, man, this is so cheesy. What is this? Like, I, I was yes, just, I just that, that's I, what it was. Cheesy it just felt weird. It's like it kind of felt wonky. I was like, man, this dude, like he seemed like a serious dude that he's in here, like smiling. And, you know, y'all know the famous Tony Soprano smile is hilarious. Like when he does mm-hmm. that little, you know, kind of yeah. goofball smile. But what but now I I think it goes back to the theme of. He he's glorifying and kind of reminiscent on a idea of things to be different. You know, he goes how, later how in this conversation. Things should be how things should be, and I can actually relate to that, bro. Because when we before we moved to Florida, when we lived in Indy, we used to walk on the trail all the time. And being mm-hmm. amongst nature, watching people walk their dogs, I would glorify a concept of uh, a different world or like a more innocent way of life being without murders, without robbing without and i will just utilize just seeing people walking around living their life walking their dog or going for a jog or whatever like i just would imagine a world like that and it it really was like that's not really the world you live in but i Mm -hmm. would 
think in that way. It just represented a certain level of innocence in a better day or better light. And I feel like in a way, Tony looks like that. And, you know, we know later he has a thing with horses as well. But I just think that when he sees these ducks in a pool, there's an excitement to it. And I, and maybe it could it could show that, like, if things were different, I would be a whole different type of person. You know, maybe I would just be yeah. Anthony Soprano. Mm, mm, you know what yeah. I mean? I read it in the sense of like it's the egotistical narcissistic thing like these things need me i have to be there to feed them i have to provide them somewhere to live i have to like make sure that they're good and fly off for the winter even with pie on mine the cat even later like mm -hmm. that we'll talk about like there's a lot of times when he like it's like, oh, a poor animal. I know there's a couple of scenes, actually. And just I feel like it adds into his narcissistic personality or his ego driven personality that these little helpless things have to have Tony mm -hmm. Soprano in their life to make sure that they're OK. That's how yeah. I read it after a couple of views. I like that. We can. I, I think. I, I think I'm gonna go with what you said too. I think that's great. And I think it. it he talks about. And we're gonna get to that point of self esteem. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think. Yeah, I think you're absolutely the, right there. From the ducks to we are introduced, he starts telling Melfi about his family. We pick up on Carmela, Meadow, AJ. What I got from that scene and rewatching it, like there seemed to be, and they were alluding to some slight unrest in the family. You could tell there was some tension. Mm -hmm. it, it even like before we even see Lydia, we see Carmela and she's him with those ducks. And it it, it <laughs> when we did see Lydia, it instantly reminded me of like those two. I was like, man, they seem like they're similar. And just the picture that they painted about the Italian woman. Mm -hmm. What did you get from the introduction of the family? Did you see any unrest? Did it just seem like a normal suburban family to you? Anything stick out about AJ, Meadow, the friend that was there? How did that scene run for you? Uh Honestly, it, it it fits that framing of the suburban mm -hmm. family. It didn't nothing. And I don't mean stood out as far this show. Everything stands out. But yeah. in, in regards of just observing from Tony's life, to me, it just seemed like it's, it's the balance to his life. You got the teenage girl and the mom getting into it because these things really happen. You know, you got the little chubby little kid. You know, he just wandering around uh, AJ. And then, you know, Meadow's friend and Meadow wants to go on this uh, the ski trip and a vacation with a friend and. She wants to do these things and a mom and her just constantly going back. So it fits this regular suburban life. He comes in there, you know, he gives her a kiss. And I like this. I, the, a minute, the minute they came in, I see this whole thing. He's in there with the shirt off, kissed, kissed the boy in the head, you know, AJ in his head. And I just yeah. I loved it right away. He just he's in his own world. He's reading this book about, you know, ducks. I just loved it like all the way because he goes from. Uh, you know, the office to telling this story. And I'm like, man, he's living pretty good. Like, this seems like a pretty good setup here. So for mm -hmm. me, I, nothing stood out at that moment other than they're laying the foundation. Here is my family. Mm -hmm. You know, they get on my nerves, but what family doesn't get on your nerves sometimes? You know right. what I'm saying? Just normal life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, he goes a little further. He, they, they pan back to Melfi and we get into our third scene. This is so. This another funny moment. <laughs> the introduction of Christopher Moltisanti, the heir apparent, <laughs> the heir. Yes, the heir of uh, Christopher Moltisanti. So, uh, he says, "I drove. I drove to work with my nephew." And you know, we know this scene. He, he comes in. He has a hat on. That hat is very significant to a later uh, concept. But this is the very first uh, viewing and slide of Christopher. And so, this man, Christopher, man. He is so entitled, bro. Mm. 
he probably reminds some people of millennials or Gen Zers, like even though this is in the 90s. He probably reminds people that because this what he says, he says, did you call Traborough Towers about the hauling contract? He said my stomach was hurt. He said, I got home late. I didn't want to. <laughs> this man said, I got home late. I didn't want to. I didn't want to wake the man up. He said, OK, well, did you get up early and call? Yeah, my stomach was hurt. Bro, I'm like this guy. <laughs> he said, but he spends $60,000 on a Lexus. On a new Lexus. Chris, man. Oh, my gosh, bro. This he and and I think and I, I'm gonna watch really close to kind of get the I, idea like before, you know, Tony really got more into like, you know, having a close knit. Uh, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run everything through you as my heir, my number two. Later on, what we see, I'm I'm very anxious to see how that build up is. Even he says this is my nephew and this is the relationship. And so I'm very interested to to see that. But this scene like is gold, bro. But I think. The app, the the level of respect that he has for Christopher goes to what we were saying in the beginning about his idealizing the past or or making the past way more glamorous than it actually was, right? Mm -hmm. Because of his dad, Dickie Montesanti. He wanted so bad for Chrissy to be this thing because of how Dickie made him. Mm. And we'll talk about that and, and get into it more. But that was the whole thing, and it's perfectly added in to what we talked about before there's this glamorization from tony of the past to where he puts these things and looked at these things sometimes detrimentally and here in christopher's case we're introduced to him as a fuck up like you just said yeah. and even i got in my notes here it's like dude this dude he seems to be the heir apparent but he seems to be a fuck up or a letdown as well however there's really no wrong that Tony could do initially. I mean, excuse me, that Christopher could do in Tony's eyes initially. And it's based upon his love for Christopher's dad, how Christopher's okay. dad took him under his wing, how he loved him, how he made him the man that he is. And we would get a movie, uh, Newark Saints, from that later about mm -hmm. Tony's upbringing, how essential that Christopher's dad was in his upbringing. But that was it. The, another romanticization of the past. I want this guy to be the gang. Like he was trying to build what he ultimately wanted to be in Christopher. You mm. got Dickie's bloodline. You got me coaching you. You you should be the fucking dude. Like you are yeah. the next generation of this. Yeah, that's what Tony was always looking at, and that was unrealistic. Like he never took time out to pay attention to really who Christopher was. Christopher was telling us from the beginning, like, man, I'm not about this life, bro. Like, you running over the dude with the car. I'm standing <laughs> over here looking at the headlight. Like, bro, you know it's going to cost me three racks? Tony, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what, what is three racks? So Duh. I think that, that was, that's, that's really an, uh, furthering out that romanticization, romanticizing the past. Like, it's all like Christopher, the the present body that he's in. Tony really don't even acknowledge that. It's all Dickie Montesani and what I want this kid to be. Why, what do you think about that? Nah, Spike, you killing this. Like you, you killing that. What a great show, pool. Bro. Nah, yeah. you. What a great pool. Uh, Many Saints in Newark, the movie he's referring to. Uh, we can feel how we feel about the movie, but nonetheless, it does give us a, a at least a decent backdrop to mm -hmm. what he just spoke to. So I definitely would advise still checking it out. Um, I don't, I'm not gonna say it moves the Sopranos differently, but I do think that it is a you know David Chase. Give you production. some more detail in that. Well, yeah, absolutely. but it but it but it's mm -hmm. it's cool to get the, at least some kind of glimpse. So I did like that, and I think that that's again you you hit it right on the nail. So they they going after this guy Mahaffey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're chasing this guy Mahaffey, and I thought this was really interesting because 
later on we see Tony doesn't move the same way. And I, and I well, he does, but he's very selective about it. And I, what I mean is doing his deeds openly in broad daylight amongst witnesses. He does this with no problem, but I think that it it goes to him not being number one. He's not number one at this point, but people don't right. Jackie April is. Right. But but he hasn't been revealed in this episode. He's, right. He was spoken of, but he wasn't revealed. But Jackie April is the number one. Tony still technically, you know, what I mean, he's kind of yeah, the he's heir. next up. He's next mm -hmm. up. But Tony was a solid soldier. He he talks about that. You know, we soldiers. This is this is how we do things. So him doing this openly, I thought it was interesting. I'm like, bro, this is like a big old building. It's like a downtown building. Like any of us that, you know, live in a city, it's like, dude, this is like openly downtown, a big old business building. This dude, and the joy that Tony has. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what he, that's what I'm here for. This is, this is what I do. I'm glad I'm getting to do this. I don't he, really even get to do this no more. The Tony smile, bro. That Tony smile. This That's why the, he was so disgusted at Christopher. Like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? What are this you is doing? what we do. This is what we do. Like, so, you know, he gets Mahaffey and he's he is dude with. with uh, but the, here's the thing. Mahaffey, I, he got a lick off on Chris. He actually got a lick off on Chris. Um, I didn't even peep that. To be yeah, honest. he got a lick off on Chris. He got hit. In, he <laughs> need him in the stomach. I'm like, oh my god. And that's that speaks to like when you're you're you don't have you have to have the mindset going into this like, yo, it's about to get physical. Like Tony mm -hmm. always was prepared for where things were going to go. You you didn't catch Tony off guard too much. We see a lot of different scenes. Even when he was caught off guard later with Bobby Bacala, he snaps right into picture right away. And, and yeah. I'm not I'm not spoiling that part, but if you've seen it, you know what I'm saying. But if you haven't, you'll get there. But like. Tony is never caught off guard, like in regards right. to this lifestyle. So, but right. Tony catches the dude, starts whooping the dude. Dude, I guess dude bone popped out of his leg, which mm -hmm. they kind of mm -hmm. show you a little bit. I'm like, yeah. dang, they did my halfy crazy. But are you familiar with HMOs? I'm uh, not that familiar with HMOs. Like, it sounds it's just like, like a medical. Yeah, it's like okay. a medical thing. Like okay. the scam that the scam that they ran, it made sense. Like it. It's like, a, I don't know that this thing, no, no, to be honest, no. Okay. But I do know what it is and how they were running the scheme because people do that in real life. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I'm not familiar with it. You get a doctor to sign off on you, run fake stuff like people got caught yeah. doing that. So, um, so my yeah. question, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. About that scene, I love the way, and we'll see this run throughout too. It's another theme here. I like how Dr. Melfi stops and like, whoa, yes. before you get into all of that, I want to, I want yes. some clear lines of separation here. Yes. I'm not like you, yes. even though my last name is Italian, like mm -hmm. do not come in here to think that what you're about to tell me or what you, the lifestyle that you live is cool. I thought that that was a very distinct line being drawn in the sand for that episode and our future encounters with Dr. Melfi to show mm -hmm. us that Okay, I'm different. Mm -hmm. I, we may all be Italian. I think this show continuously tries to show us that with when they go into Dr. Melfi's personal lives and some of the conversations that she has with some of her colleagues. I think that this was the beginning of that for her, like mm -hmm. putting her line in the sand, like you're not about to drag me into this lifestyle, regardless of what happens, regardless of how close we become. Mm -hmm. And we see some instances where she could have been drugging the Tony's lifestyle later mm -hmm. on. Yeah. She makes she puts her foot down right here. It's like this is psychiatrist. You're the patient. <laughs> Do not go too far. And I love that, especially, like I said, second, third, fourth watch, you see this is her literally putting her foot in the stand on how this relationship is going to play out forever for the rest of the series. She never budged. Yes. And, 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 and Tony respects that. that. 
Tony respects yeah, exactly. that. that. She's the only person that's really actually able to do that to him. Yeah, because like everybody res- else, he keeps pushing. He pushed her too. Yeah, he she did. stood her ground throughout. Like everybody else, kind of makes their line in the sand. And Tony's like, "Oh fuck that!" And he he's able to make his way around it, not with Doctor Mel. Yes, and he I think he he's respects he respects professionalism. He respects uh, stand up people like in different mm-hmm. fields. Like you know, we'll see later. He respected a, a certain congressman. He respects people that you know are stand up people in their fields in in a certain regard. And a guy says later on that we'll get to one thing about Tony Soprano. You know where you stand with him. You know, yeah. so which is very speaks big volumes to a uh, a person that lies majority of the time so mm-hmm. but w- going to what spike was saying it says dr uh kuzumano uh besides being your family physician is also your next door neighbor and then she mm-hmm. says see what i'm saying i was like yo <laughs> yo and he says i don't know and she she letting him know i'm not dumb yeah like, like i'm on, not bro. dumb and then he said we had coffee and then they panned back to the coffee falling mm-hmm. and so right. you know so everybody's just looking at this nobody's calling the police tony's getting it off and he says i give you your fucking bone you prick <laughs> where's my fucking you money? know what <laughs> <laughs> but you know what off. that is though right like what? I, what they're trying to tell us is that these guys this is jersey they're notorious for this people know who they are they know who's kicking this man ass they probably know what happened okay like this is the mob Mm -hmm. and if we call the police these guys are powerful enough to probably know who done and they're gonna come kick our ass too (laughs) i too like you was thinking about it in the front like man no somebody would have definitely called the police we're thinking about in today's time though back then when the mob was running jersey they might have been able to get away with this Mm. (laughs) you know yeah you're right and i i do like as we move to the next scene i do like he one of the famous phrases he says you prick degenerate fucking gambler like i love that degenerate gambler like i love yeah. hearing that when i and i've heard in so many mob movies like i just i don't know why i like hearing that phrase you he's a degenerate gambler but we know that some of these guys in tony's crew are de- degenerate gamblers well they're not degenerate gamblers they're just gamblers but yeah. uh, so we we move on and we uh boy we are really breaking this thing down uh, so they're having this mob meeting. This is a classic scene. We don't have to spend a lot of time here, but he's having a, you know, they're, they're laying out and they're having conversations about what's going on. And I think that this guy that they're speaking about later, Chris is the one that handles this because now I, I didn't even think about it at the time, but Chris was sitting aside. He wasn't at the little main little tiny tea table that mm-hmm. they were sitting at. But I can't even say the dude's name, but check. I'm just call him check, but I think it's a check czechoslovakian i think or, or whatever but mm-hmm. he he asked yeah, they were beefing with yeah they were beefing with him about the trash routes yes and so he had, yeah. they he yeah he didn't want to do or pay them for the trash routes as they had been being paid and chris is trying to earn his way up in more stripes because of course he wants to be a main guy he's not yet he's like okay i'll take care of mm-hmm and yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. And but most importantly, there we're intru- we're introduced to the crew. Yes. And we're introduced to the dynamic that Tony plays in the crew. We get to see him in his element. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we meet Pussy. This is the first time we meet Steel, Paulie, yes. yeah. uh, everybody. Like you see where Chris is, even his rank. Like Chris ain't even at the table yet. Right. You still sitting back there. Like you was you're not a part of this yet. Mm-hmm. Just my nephew. I think that that scene does a great job of introducing everybody and the role that Tony plays in the mob's life. We've seen the role that he played in the family's life when we had that scene. Now we mm-hmm. get to see him in his a- in action. 
Yes, and and this, his other family, <laughs> right? right. And, and Chris, as they say in Don, uh, like the movie Donnie Brasco, you know, right now in a way, Chris is a friend of ours. Yes, but when he's made, he he would be in this thing of ours. Yes, so friend of ours, he could still be touched because he's not a made man. However, uh, you can run jobs through him, according to my movie understanding mind yes. you guys I'm, I'm a black man i don't know anything about the mob life so don't look at me or spike as with the standard that's not our yeah, experience yeah we ain't in there like that right? <laughs> we ain't in it but from the just, movies just from the movies people <laughs> so yeah. but if we sound like we know what we're talking about it's just based off of entertainment so but seal comes through as we keep it moving seal comes through and he just says hey your friend Artie buco what a way to go into it we're going to get introduced to one of Tony's friends, which will still be considered family, but in a whole nother aspect. So you got his actual family, you know, uh, uh, Carm uh, or Carmela, uh, AJ Meadow. Then he has his mob family, Big Puss, Seal, uh, Paulie, Paulie uh, and Chris. And then we have a whole different person that's not his blood and not a part of the mob. We introduced Artie Buco. Seal comes and says, "Hey, your friend civilians, 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 exactly." So I guess Melfi would kind of be in that same pocket, but without the history. Yeah, civilian, right? Uh, Civilian. Mm -hmm. So he tells him, "Like, hey, you know, your uncle is is tripping over something. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to whack Pussy Malenga." Uh, Now, now, Pussy Malenga, it. I got confused about this for a while. Mm -hmm. There's two different ones, right? Yes. So pussy and little pussy. So, but. Okay, never mind. I'm we thinking. never really see little pussy. Okay, okay, that's yeah, they that's why really show us little pussy. The, the the premise and the idea of this, uh, the pussy Malanga story, the Artie Buko bringing him in. One is to introduce civilians mm-hmm. to bring into the world. Okay, you got his family, like you said, it was a great breakdown. We got the mob family. There's also a third facet in this show of civilians, mm-hmm. regular everyday people that don't know anything about this. But we still get to see how their lives are affected by what Tony's doing, even though they removed from it. They ain't got yeah. shit to do with it, supposedly. It's just the shrapnel of what Tony does and how it flies back and hits them in the face. This was the introduction of that, and it was great. And the introduction of it was, okay, you're a homeboy. This pain in your ass for the rest of the six series is about to try and kill someone at his spot ruin his livelihood and the pain in his ass is uncle junior and what an introduction to uncle junior as well yeah this dynamic consistently defiant (laughs) always a pain in tony's ass never really bought into tony doesn't really see him he's really the only person in this world uh, well him and lydia the older two people in this world yes they're the only two people in this world that have no respect or admiration for tony's accomplishments Mm -hmm. to us you're still that little fat boy that grew up that we grew up around and that's the a beautiful dynamic of their relationship especially with all of the respect that everyone else shows tony junior never shows no and i think that's a really good dynamic and to wrap the scene up in a bow again Seal approaches Tony, tells him, lets him know, hey, what Junior is thinking about doing is whacking somebody in your friend who's a civilian, Artie's restaurant. Mm-hmm. The backlash of that is we're going to ruin Artie's life because mm-hmm. no one will go to the restaurant. It will not be safe anymore and he'll mm-hmm. lose essentially his business. So now Tony is set with the task of making Junior do this hit somewhere else because he doesn't want to ruin his friend's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I love this, you know, because 
Tony, he's a mobster. He has love. Like mm-hmm. when you get to the end of the series, some people believe that he may have never loved the whole time he was lying, the whole time he was a psychopath mm-hmm. or he was something else. Uh, but I always have believed that he had love. Like it, it, some mm-hmm. in his own way had love. And I think a lot of it is due to the lack thereof of how he his upbringing was. And we'll get introduced to some of his siblings later uh, to kind of get a bigger picture of Tony's upbringing, but we do understand he walked. They walk into Vesuvio's. He's having a conversation with Chris, and like I said, I don't want to bring a whole lot of outside information, but I want to bring this in because I think it's it fits. So Chris, his hairstyle is different from here versus the other episode. So the hmm. pilot it was shot in ninety seven, but it didn't get picked up to ninety nine, hmm. and so originally Chris's name was going to be Dean. Dean Moltisanti, and I feel mm-hmm. like his hairstyle fits a Dean. <laughs> I, I just brought in this scene, yeah. Because if you look at just this this episode, like even when you get to the barbecue scene, how his hair is like slicked back a certain way, like mm-hmm. his hair he don't rock it like that no more in the yeah. series. I feel like it's going for that Dean look versus the Christopher. That's fine. Yeah, that's so that's yeah, that's just a little small detail I always thought was interesting once it was uh, revealed to me, but. They're sitting down and having this conversation, but the way Tony comes in, again, certain, a certain power. He puts his two fingers to the back of Uncle Junior's neck. He says, he said, don't move. <laughs> and he's like, Uncle Junior, how you doing? So right. at, that is funny. It's like, why are you doing that? I mean, maybe that's a mobster joke, but I yeah. tell you who, who really I got that. I just took that as a mob joke. It was what were you about to say? I was going to say uh, Charmaine Bucco. You want to you talk about having jokes? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there later. Not this episode. The worst but, characters in this oh, fucking man. show. Oh, uh, here like, we go. I hate her. Yeah, she was she was annoying. <laughs> she she got Carmella beat for sure. But I mean yeah, as far as like yeah, certain yeah. annoying aspects, like Carmella's needed, but she definitely had like she was super annoying, but she was just a nag. It was just a nag. But anyway, so they're having the conversation and again, I don't want to make this super I'll annoying. add her to that list too. She was another one of the people, uh Charmaine, who didn't share the admiration that everybody had for Tony. I, I, I think they would yeah. Lydia Jr. and Charmaine. Well, I think because how other people were introduced, which it's it's kind of weird, but how people were introduced to Tony and then mm-hmm. how he what he's grew into. People were like, nah, you were this. Like for Charmaine, they had a fling back in the day. And that'll be revealed later on, but they had a fling for a moment or whatever. So as according to her, it was just like we went to high school together. Like I knew you from high school with Carmela, me, you. And so, uh, uh, and Artie. So I knew you from back then. Uncle Junior's like, man, I used to take you to, to your football games, baseball, Olivia. You know, I was raising you and I was raising my other kids and, and stuff like that. And so I think that people that had a perspective prior to him being this boss, this, this stand up mob boss, they still hold him there, which happens today. Like, Spike, you could become successful. And some people will always be like, I remember when you was, you know, you was around with the gold grills. And or I remember, Maurice, I remember when you was, you know, out here hooping with the red do-rag, like, or, or whatnot. Like, people will all, some people will just always hold you to where they want to remember. Where they you. know you from, because it where makes they know them feel you better from. about themselves. Yeah, it makes them feel better about themselves. I haven't grown, so this person couldn't have grown as much either. Regardless of what I see, you're still that person, because mm-hmm. it makes them, again, feel better about themselves. I agree. Yeah, so I you know, definitely agree. So, so just, we they, are. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say. So no. they're just having a conversation on like, what are we gonna do? And Tony's having a hard time because he really loves his uncle. Like he loves his uncle. I think partially because how he grew up, but also because that again that that thing the reminiscent mm-hmm. of you know the good and, times. But Uncle Junior has an issue with Tony. 
Uncle Junior used to take him to Yankees games. Is how he explained. Yes. Like that's that's my uncle. Like that's how I love him. That's the the that's the genuine love, even beyond this thing of ours that we're both associated with. That's my uncle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember him from growing up. I remember him being around, being there, being my dad's right hand man. Mm-hmm. So there is a love there, even though I introduced and explained it as a constant pain in Tony's ass, but that's because of the love that he has for me. Yes. I can't handle him like I would handle everyone else that disrespects me the way that he may have, because this is my uncle. Yeah. So. And that perspective, we'll see later on, like the love Junior has or doesn't have for Tony versus Tony's love for him, just because Uncle Junior's jaded. You know, he was passed over. Yeah. And he and that we'll see that theme reoccurring throughout the season. And then you understand kind of where you're coming from. And even if you go back to Many Saints, again, this is one of those pivotal things that makes all the difference in the world. Go back to Many Saints, you'll see Uncle Junior there, and you'll kind of understand the foundation of this character, uh, mm-hmm. which they did a great job with that with his character in that mm-hmm. movie. Tony, he they, he goes into it and he talks about uh, his mom. He goes to visit his mom, and this is where we're introduced to Livia Soprano. Now, let me preface this. I I do not like this character at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she, probably, she probably the most hated character in Soprano's history. Like I, I, When we I, get to the end of it, like we can compare, but I think okay. it's between her and one other person that we haven't met yet. Those okay. top two. I do, though, what She's I appreciate necessary. about this character um necessary yes I, I i speaking on like the love that he has for junior and how he handles situations i find it interesting and of course this is after many watches that you pick up on this the way that he decides to handle the junior problem or even a trying to approach it is i'm gonna go talk to my mom which is I, that that scene that, that, was, that seemed kind of off mm-hmm. because usually tony deals with shit the way that he wants to deal with it Mm-hmm. But it shows the love that he has for Junior, the respect that he has for family and how things are or should be. Like when we're talking about with the Ducks, he feels like I should be able to go talk to my mom. Same generation as Junior. Remind her who Artie is. She should pick up on that. Know that Junior's doing something wrong and be able to say something to curtail this. Mm-hmm. That's in an ideal world, right? A banger to... <clears throat> I bring the CD player to her, music that she loves, try to dance with her. In my mind, like you're talking about with the Ducks, in Tony's mind, it's like, oh, this is going to be perfect. This is the correct answer for this. Because in the world that I exist in, this is how this is supposed to happen. My mom can talk some sense into Junior, and I can save Artie, and I don't have to do anything out of character to piss anybody off, and I can just save the day behind the scenes. As we see, and we're introduced (laughs) to Lydia, that damn sure ain't, and and Mm -hmm. it it goes to, again, why he's in therapy. Like, like he has this ideal world in his head. You did a great job in bringing that up, and it plays out the way in his head, and then he goes to do it, bring her to the CD player. I don't want to hear that. Even with the initial knock on the door, you see the frustration when she's like, who is it? And he's like, I mean, (laughs) how many sons do you got, dude? Who? And it's just like, oh, okay, she's going to be a piece of work. And you see that from the beginning. And you slowly see Tony's plan of how he's going to save this just dwindle away with every word that she says. She's not even picking up anything that he's putting down. And even if she is, she has a disdain enough for her son. Like, I ain't helping you, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to see. What did you pick up from that? You in the similar 
mind frame of that or what did you pick from that when he went to go visit her and bring the junior situation up yeah so he turned he definitely I, I agree he definitely turns down the the mob knob <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna use that i'm trying to use that recurring but he turns down the mob knob and he, he he turns up the civilian family uh knob here and he says okay i'm putting two and two together like in your initial watch you you might i in my initial watch i wasn't catching this like i wasn't catching yo he's putting sowing the seed here he's thinking two steps ahead i go to her mm -hmm. she goes to junior you know what i'm right. saying i tried to, and he's gonna try obviously to talk to him as well where he tried to talk to him and he's gonna try again but here it's like he's sowing the seed i'm gonna get mom a cd player maybe have a little time with her maybe try to get her set up with something here but i need this favor but i'm not gonna ask it but i'm looking forward but the funny thing, just introducing the scene, and this is a, a, a laughable moment here. I need to laugh tracks for real. He mm -hmm. says, at the ending the other scene, I love my Uncle Junior. And he says, at the same time, when I was young, he told my girl cousins, <laughs> I would, I'd never I would never be a boy. I never caught that, bro. Until now, I was like, oh, man. this was in the pilot. That's when and it started, it, yeah. He says, frankly, that was a tremendous that was a tremendous blow to my self-esteem like dude that is funny dude it's a trigger point for him that is yes. a trigger point for him yep. yes because he never wants funny to feel what would you say yeah i just it's funny that he identified that so early in the series and so how early. reoccurring it was yeah so no one and it makes sense now because like seeing that now okay it makes so much sense later on why it triggered him right away Cause it's like okay you're going for the gut this is a uh <laughs> this is a blow to my self-esteem he says this in the first episode so later on it makes so much sense where you say it three times it's like yes i am angry you know what that means to me and you know so um but yeah that that's pretty much that yeah he just tries to sow some seeds with livia livia like you said is a piece of work she definitely has a very negative outlook maybe it's a condition we'll find out or maybe she's faking it or may I, that that is I a think theory it's the way that they're trying to paint they were trying to paint italian women in this way i think okay like lydia is an older version of carmella a different version of dr melfi but like a strong like always on your ass like mm -hmm. i don't want to say nagging because i'm not sure if that's the right word but i, I feel like that there was a they were trying to tell a story about like how Italian women, because you see this, like if you're familiar with Goodfellas, like his wife was similar mm -hmm. to that. Uh, I just think that that's the tone that they were trying to set there. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you provided that backdrop because I didn't, I didn't, uh, mm -hmm. I didn't look at it like that, but it makes sense because it is like you see a, you know, a Charmaine Bucco, you see a Carmela Soprano, same, you see yep, a Livia same. Soprano, and we'll get a, a couple of strong other women leads that'll come in and you get another uh, concept of some of these Italian women in this world, the mafia world. So that's pretty much that, you know, his mom is super negative, <laughs> you know, uh, and so then finally we pan back to Melfi's office and he goes into the day of him passing out. We're so engulfed already, y'all, in what's going on. We forget, oh yeah, he has to tell us how did you ended up how did you end up passing out? That's how great this was. Like I'm so into the layout of him introducing the people in his life, and this is his day-to-day -day living. This is Tony Soprano mm -hmm. problem solving. One on one. Right. He's whooping a guy one day, he's out here in the pool with the ducks and the family. Uh, you know, he he's, you know, eating dinner or sitting on a block. You know what I'm saying? This is this is Tony's everyday life. And so I'm so engulfed in it. I'm stopping at mom's, you know, to the point I'm like, oh yeah. So Tony in his beautiful house. He outside grilling. 
Tony outside grilling. He's doing his thing. Uh, but he says, so he, he comes into the scene. He says, and that night was my son's birthday party. And my wife invites the priest. He's always at the house. This is so shaky, bro. <laughs> this is so shaky. It's like, why is the priest always at this house? You know, you know what Tony does. Like, there, there's just no way you don't know what Tony does. Like, period. Sure, Tony can disguise it. Tony can finesse it. Tony could play it off. Like I said, his Clark Kent role during the day is, uh, you know, waste management consultant. But this is so shaky to me, bro. The priest being, he said, he, and this is great because, again, introducing this character, even though we know that uh, later on uh, they're, they're, they cast somebody else, but that doesn't, that doesn't matter in the in the the gauge of what we're doing here but they do cast a different priest later but he says my wife invites the priest this is something that is really a deep seed sold sown uh for carmella and why she does that but uh they're having this conversation uh he's getting on the grill and he and i love how he painted it uh james gandolfini does a wonderful job here um, in the acting, but the description, he says that it's like ginger ale in my skull that almost like hearing him say that I almost wanted to grab a can of ginger ale just to, to taste it, just to try to imagine what, cause he, he does this all the time. Like the look he does when he, he's about to pass out, like, I don't know what kind of research was done, but when Tony passes out, it's weird because ginger ale is not like, and I know I'm harping on something simple, but ginger ale is not like Sprite. It has a whole kind of different ale taste, I guess, if you if you may. Like Sprite is super hard and boom, but ginger ale is a little different on the acidity. So to say it's like ginger ale in my skull, it's like, I don't even know what that feels like, but that's crazy. And so do you, I wanted to ask you, uh, Spike, is it a he they say it's a panic attack mm -hmm. but i sometimes i i thought that well i ain't gonna say that i was about to say like more of a like a like a nerve nerve breakdown type of thing even though they say it's a panic attack but i the question i wanted to ask is do you think that's why he's ashamed because i'm a mobster i don't panic about nothing <laughs> Yeah, what they labeled it as. I think 100% spot on. Like, they're labeling it as a panic attack. Well, he views it even as a weakness. Like, he's he seen he seen this. Well, not to spoil anything, but he this has happened to other people in Tony's life before. Mm -hmm. And he's seen how it affected them. And it was a key moment in his life. It happened to him before. And we'll see how it affected his cousin. And he just looks at this as just an ultimate weakness. Like, mm -hmm. this is another, this is one of those where Junior was talking about when he said, I didn't have the makings of a varsity athlete. This is one of those things that adds to that. Oh. That's how he's looking at it throughout it. Just like, I shouldn't be, I don't even know if it's more so that he's a mobster that he should be feeling this way. It's, I'm Tony Soprano. Okay. Like, what the fuck do I have to be having a panic attack and fainting about, which goes to, again, how brilliant this series is and like how everybody looks at him because like why would you be having panic attacks what do mm -hmm. you have to worry about when everybody thinks that you are the boss and in charge but it, it's a great thing here and the, to, for the priest thing <laughs> i feel like that was stupid weird too um immediately got bad vibes from him uh he seemed like a leech to me yeah uh, as far as when you said 
him being in the dark about what Tony does, there was no way. Yeah. Uh, one, because when Carmella went to grab the strap when she seen Metal <laughs> yeah. uh, breaking in the house, he he didn't seem that surprised, though he was scared. And he was asking, well, how, how does Tony feel about the Godfather? Like, that's rooted in his yeah. admiration for the lifestyle that they live. Oh, I'm this man of the cloth, but I still want to enjoy the fruits of this evil lifestyle that they live. Rub me the wrong way, 100%. Did that's not, a like, great this. way to put it. And I love how, you know, they reference these things in real time, like the Godfather. Yeah, you always hear eating Ozzini and watching my surround sound. Yeah. Like, and you try to include Tony in. Like, yeah, do you, you think it's more of the lifestyle? It might be equal, but do you think it's more of the lifestyle or you think it's the genuine interest in Carmella? I don't even think he's interested in Carmella. I think we see that later. And that's oh. kind of puzzles her too. Yeah, I think we see that in the later episode when is it this episode when he got stuck over there? No. I don't, no, well, I don't know. No, that was uh, a we see four. that. Yeah, we College. see that yeah. later that he didn't even yeah, like you know, he has little to no interest in Carmella as a, from a womanly I, standpoint. He I think that he's he is tied to his uh clergy or whatever they call it mm -hmm. as far as being a man of the cloth. He's yeah. he's really tied to that, but he'll bend the rules for some fun, not going all the way, like sleeping with Carmella. But if mm -hmm. I could have this great baked ziti and enjoy this surround sound and watch the Godfather here and be in this big house, oh, I'll do that. Oh, I ain't okay. really doing nothing wrong. Ever. Walking the line. Like, oh, oh, oh yeah, but, okay. yeah. Walk but I ain't, I can't do that though. Nah, I ain't that's, do that. Yeah, exactly. Man, yeah, that's I'm, why I'm Carmelo was so yeah. That's why Carmelo was so confused in the later episodes. Like, oh, you really are just like a leech. Okay. Like, you really yeah. just over here <laughs> trying to live the life. <laughs> you finessing. Like you yeah, just you finessing you, the shit out of everything. You ain't even giving me no benefit from it. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, funny. So. That, but so we get to the MRI scene. Uh we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but it's it's it. And I, you said the the thing about the panic attack, and we get revealed in a later season. Like this is not new for Tony. There was something that occurred in his childhood that refers mm -hmm. to that, um, which is a great reveal later on. So you imagine, like maybe he had this panic thing under control all those years from that point of that ev that traumatic event happening until now. It's like, why is this coming back up now? You know what I mean? So. Like you said, it, it, it being a uh, a traumatic blow to his self esteem, you know, it kind of coincides. Yep, and it kind of coincides with his progressions to power. Like mm -hmm. even that the night that we're referring to in his childhood, there was a significant event that made Tony a much more powerful person. Uh, even when he's doing it and he's falling out here, it has to do with a power struggle with Junior. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a lot coinciding with the panic attacks and his ascension to the boss boss. Mm -hmm. And I feel like how that is affecting his mindset, like how how much it is on him. Though he may try to, I am in essence Tony Soprano, but this is bothering me just like it would bother anybody else mm -hmm. ascending to something that they always wanted to be. Like every time I feel like that these panic attacks pop up, it's within a power struggle or him ascending to power. Okay. Because he, I mean, he was, but yeah, that, yeah, we'll go ahead. With, I was just going to say with the MRI, too, what I, the small thing that I got from the scene is how much of an annoyance continuously that Carmella is. And that little, there is a rift there. Like if you weren't clear with the, the breakfast scene, you do can tell from here she knows that he's cheating or doing something she's suspectful of and she just, she she wants to get it all out and this also points to that how she like she sees his depression as a crutch yeah throughout the series and this is the like 
this is starting to um, pull at the threads of that. It's a very early seed of her seeing this all as a sham anyway. Yeah, so. it it's very <laughs> so <laughs> laughable moment here. Uh, she's like, here go, here goes, here he goes with the nostalgia. Yeah, See, here he is, and yeah. then she, he says, "No marriage is perfect. Having the gumar on the side helps." And so she said, "I'm not seeing her anymore. What about the priest? Don't even go there." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so this this funny, but continues going on. I just want to say a little bit more of this dialogue. So she says, "Father is a spiritual mentor. He's making me a better Catholic." <laughs> he says, "Well, we all got different needs." <laughs> He said, right. well, the difference really between us is you're going to hell when you die. Like she got so mad. And it's here's the weird thing. Like th- these these characters in the life of Tony living this life, there's so much lying all the time. And side mm-hmm. outside resource, I, I know I said I wouldn't use it, but you know, David Chase said it's ninety percent it, of these characters are lying all the time. It's like ten percent when they're actually telling the full truth. So even us watching it have to, you know, kind of pick that up. But Going back into this, just the fact that she thought that she could live in denial of thinking because I have him over, he's helping me be. How's he helping you be better, a better Catholic watching Godfather? <laughs> like, come on, dog. Not to say you can't watch movies because I'm not saying that you can't watch movies, or even violent movies or movies of that sort. But what has he shown based on in Tony's experience, what it sounds like? Because he says everybody has their need, which is even weirder because Tony is comfortable. Nah, with, he's just comfortable with jabbing her. Like I think okay, okay. Tony's never really threatened by the priest. However, we know that Tony is really good at that psychoanalytical, as we'll get at the table with Janice asking about the son. Like Tony's <sighs> brilliant at the jab. Oh, yeah. He knows how that would make Carmela feel. I don't think that he genuinely thinks anything is going on. He knows the priest wouldn't try him like that. Mm-hmm. However, in my defense, and what the guy was trying to tell Melfi later is like he's using you to be better, to sharpen his skills. So even in this situation with Carmella, I'm only using this pre-shit because I know that I'm getting off with the Guma. Mm-hmm. I know damn well nothing better be going on with the priest. I don't even suspect anything is going on, but I am going mm-hmm. to use that to get away with my bullshit. <laughs> like yeah. you said. Yeah. 90 percent of these motherfuckers they lying half the time and i think that's why it's registering that way with carmella because she knows that he knows that nothing fucking gonna happen with this mm-hmm. you know this dude's terrified of you mm-hmm. however tony still uses that and she has no real recourse like there's no real recourse because i mean what can she say it yeah. is an inappropriate relationship like you're saying however y'all it it it, it it's not fully over the line like having a guma it is an inappropriate relationship tony realizes that puts that in his pocket and like okay well anytime you bring up something inappropriate with me i'm gonna want to know what's going on here though i know it's no real threat and and i think yeah and i know you know tony likes to keep you know enemies or you know strangers or anybody close you know dr kuzumano he he uses all these people to serve as a resource at some point you know Mm -hmm. and i also think that ed uh Guys, in the context of the show, I gotta preface this. I have to preface this. This this show that we're doing, or even talking about Sopranos, in the context of it, there's no homophobia here. So understand when we speak about those themes in this show, this is not a homophobic homophobic view. It's just speaking in the context of the Sopranos. I think I say that to say I think that there's a possibility that Tony probably thinks the priest is gay. 
because oh you, i was you, wondering where you was going yeah I, yeah I had to preface it yeah because you know there's <laughs> there's a theme later he does on say that to you. yeah because you know he Carm- might be too yeah maybe maybe yeah because carmella i mean uh tony later on she she was like oh, you always think every all these guys that are intelligent or have they stuff together they're clean cut they're gay you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I think that that's a possibility right here. That's you know, so looking at it, I'm like, I think that's probably like, ah, oh, yeah, he ain't going like, you know what yeah, I mean? He, so he ain't even worried about it. I ain't Absolutely. even worried about it, but I agree with what you're saying as well. So it, it's a, it's a plethora of ideas that it could be, but we get, we move on to, uh, after the MRI, the scene in the meat market, uh, Tony, he kills the Czech, Czechoslovakian, or uh, Chris, Chris, I'm sorry, Christopher, a meal, a meal. What's the guy's name? Yeah. Uh, he kills a meal, but it's so funny because these guys—he's so nonchalant about it. Like they having a good conversation, like different cultures coming from different. You know, have you ever tried this? You ever done this? And they they just having a regular conversation. He pull out the coke, you know, put the coke out there right on the knife, and they and it's so interesting how this is shot. Even though we're, we're living in the world of this, but the way it just shot, uh, mm-hmm. it was so beautiful. You see it in the screenshot here, uh, if you if you have that open, uh, Spike. Yep. But it, I had to use that that shot because it's it's such a beautiful shot. Even though we know it's death, it's dying on television, but it's just the way they they do the blood splatter. And I I watched uh, Dexter, so they definitely had a lot of artsy ways of blood splatter. He was a blood splatter analyst, but uh, the way they did this here was just it was just unique. And they now. I will say this, and we don't have to spend a lot of time here. This was Chris taking initiative from the early meeting when he was outside with the rest of the mob, mob family. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't asked to do this, but took initiative, and he'll speak to that in a later later that night. But I think that it was kind of really trying to be overly artsy when they, he's he's getting trigger happy, and they show all of these like legendary, I'm assuming, mobsters in the photos after every yeah, yeah, yeah. That shot. Was, Christopher does. I'm like, all right, like <laughs> that was just straight filmmaking. Just, yeah, that was filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, it, that was the was, only scene was like that though. In listening to that book, um, I came down. I always forget the name of it. Listen to the book man. though, Difficult Man. Absolutely, that was uh, an early aim of David Chase in this series. Really focusing on the camera shots, really focusing on the artistic view of it. Mm-hmm. So you saying that lines up like that's one hundred percent what he was aiming for okay. with some of the early like fishbowl shots that you see, mm-hmm. some of the different camera angles, some of the mm-hmm. colors, like you said, all of that he was doing film school one on one. Like he was trying to do that. Flex a little so bit. So he's one hundred yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. So, you know, he does that and um we go to the next scene. He's he we see Tony uh talking to Uncle Junior and his crew. It's funny because it's these old guys. They look like they're about to go play golf. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's talking to them, trying to basically tell them, like, look, don't do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't. see the you see the difference in generations here. Yes. You 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 get the you get the more depth to junior slowly building as to how okay he feels like people trying to get over on him. It, mm-hmm. Then you start to get more context to it later, but you start to get that feel that he has some content towards Tony for mm-hmm. the position that Tony's in and the position that he's supposed to be in, mm-hmm. meaning uh, Uncle Junior. So I think this is a good scene. It starts to build that. It starts mm-hmm. to show you that Tony, I mean, Junior has his own crew, his own ideas of how things should be ran and everybody isn't kissing Tony's ass as the next in line. Some people actually want their spot. Is it? And we we can move on because the next scene is. And I, I'll jump here real quick. The next scene is Meadow uh, and Carm when she tries to sneak in 
we don't have to spend time on that, that scene. But before that, uh, there's nothing for me. Yeah, nothing. Uh, no. Do you do you think that jun- it's Junior's rightful place? Because I don't think that w- we're fully laid out that it's uh, J- Johnny Soprano, Tony's father, that he was the leader of the mob boss. Did you get that at all? Like, because I'm trying to understand, like, who would be next in line? Because we know at this point, uh, Jackie is number one. So, but mm-hmm. we know from many saints dicky Montesanti was like the, so i guess and there and we i might get online and find the little family chain there's a thing out there they say how the breakdown of the family is but i i just was trying to understand is this really junior's rightful place like is he really actually being passed over or, or you know what kind of happened there you know what i'm saying so because if it is his rightful place he got the right to be mad and go about things his own way but we're seeing this through the lenses of tony right here so um but yeah, mm. I, I I just I was just curious to that, like you know what I mean, like. So you were wondering, was he rightfully passed over? Yeah, like I mean, is like is saying? he? It's like is it his um, rightful position? Like who was number one, and then who would have? Like, cause I never thought Jackie. I mean, not Jackie Johnny uh, Soprano was the lead based on many things. Johnny wasn't. Yeah, Johnny was never the lead, right? Johnny and, and yeah. Tony admitted. Tony said that I think he was telling Dr. Melfi that he's like his dad, like you said, never wrenched the links that I had. His dad mm-hmm. was essentially just a soldier. Mm-hmm. I think he was killed before he made it to where he needed to. And Junior feels he's passed over from a longevity standpoint. Oh. And that, that's the power vacuum that you get. You have a guy from a production standpoint from people fucking with me and me having the resources to be the boss because of the work that I done put in. That's why people are gravi- towards, gravitating towards Tony. The money that we're going to make with him, the connections that he has, uh, how he treats New York and how New York New York respects him. Junior doesn't allocate that same respect. He doesn't have the same resources. He's older. He's a little... I, running in old ways like even when you're talking about when you're asking about the hmo play Mm -hmm. junior wouldn't have been able to bring that to the table and that's going to be a lot of money yeah that's why tony is more powerful and essentially probably why jackie got passed over because he was younger i mean excuse me why jackie passed uh junior because he was more open and, and had more resources and that's what lydia speaks to when she's talking about junior keeps getting passed over it's not his right per se. Mm-hmm. It's just he's been in the game and has a longevity. He just ain't got the and they showed us throughout the series. He don't got the what you need to be the boss. Mm. And Tony tried to tell him that in so many words, mm. even though he placated him, let him be the acting bosses we'll get into. Mm. I think what they showed us there from my opinion as a viewer of the show is that the reason that Junior kept getting passed over really wasn't anything other than he just never really had it. Everybody else who was in position had it. We were able to do what we needed to do. We had the crews. We had the money. We had everything. Boom. Transition to me versus with Junior. Everyone would be taking a step back if he was the boss. So you're saying that's he how never I had read. the makings of a varsity. Yeah, athlete. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's okay. the reason he was so hard on Tony about it. even Lydia says that she was like, hey, Junior, your uncle, Junior. Right. He's like, right. you know what I'm saying? And new, yeah. uh, many saints of Newark also kind of paints that out. Like yes. people were kind of actually, you know, you've seen it throughout the movie, like Junior. Yes. Led to how the movie ended. But yeah, it's like Tony was dragging him alone and letting him feel that powerful. It really shouldn't even have been a, like if this were anyone else besides Junior, Tony would have like erased that dude. 
Yeah, yeah, for and sure. That's right. what. Yeah, and that's why I think you see, like, this fake bravado that Junior has because that's his nephew. I gotta. I, he, he thinks I'm a big like. P, Junior doesn't see himself the way everybody else does. Yeah, but Tony does have a respect for him. In he does have a respect for him because that's it's that nostalgia. That's my uncle, but that that nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, he grew up with the great, the the Dickie yeah, Montesanti, the, the Johnny Sopranos, my dad. You know yeah. the 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 original Aprils. He's I imagine. from that era. He's from that. You know, I'm that cloth. So I think mm-hmm. that respect is still there. But he already understand that. You know, you know, with all due it's respect, passed him by. You have, yeah, you have no bro. idea you what it's like shot. to be number one. Yes, yeah. exactly. You missed so, your shot. You missed your shot. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep moving here, but we, we just get a quick scene of him uh, back at Dr. Melfi's office, and uh, he, he, she just keeps hark, harping on this point, do you feel depressed? Do you feel depressed? And, and he said, since the ducks left. And then we, we know kind of like, you know, what that insinuates based on what we said. But as we go to the next scene. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Just one oh, thing you got I something to say about yeah. that. Yes. Um. That was one of my favorite lines of the scene. As when she's asking him about depression, she asks Tony about the D word, as you know, they call it. And his response about being like Gary Cooper, this, this, every time I think of the Sopranos, this is one of the first lines that I think of. It sticks with me in some type of way. I feel like maybe most men may feel like this when he goes on that Gary Cooper, the strong, silent type rant. How could that I is, miss that? That is fucking fantastic <laughs> in a sense of like why he's in therapy. His like one of the few very vulnerable moments that he shows about his perception of himself and talking about feeling like the sad clown per se. Like that Gary Cooper, the strong, silent type and feeling like because he's that he gets fucked over in the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a wonderful, a, a great scene about like the whole essence of the episode and Tony himself as a man. Yeah. I, 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 how could I miss that? Like, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause it's like that Gary Cooper, the strong silent type. I look Gary Cooper up after that. I, I like, got to, yeah, cause he to. keeps saying it like, and then mm-hmm. it's like this theme of strong silent. Type. I think that was the name of an episode. The yep. strong silent type. That's how yeah. devoted to this concept. Uh, Tony is devoted to, um, but, that, so yeah, that, that that definitely influenced me. Like, I know we watch a lot of TV music influence us. That's one thing I added to my daily, like what I wanted myself to be viewed as. So strong side, like that that plays in my head at least once a week. Wow, no lie, absolutely. Let's like see, that that definitely plays in my show, head, bro. Facts. That's the power of this show, man. Golly, mm-hmm. yeah, um, but. I'm going to call him Big P because I'm not going to continue to keep <laughs> saying that over and over <laughs> throughout the show. But Big P, I thought his name was Sal. I think his name is actually Sal, but I'll say Big P for people that are not yeah. familiar with his actual real name. But So Big P and, and, and Chris, Chris, yeah, Christopher, Christopher, yeah. you know, uh, they move a dead body and they're having this conversation. But another funny moment. This is why I talk about why Literally. Sopranos can't be touched because there's these unintentional funny moments. And this probably was intentional, I imagine, because they're that good. But in the the scheme of the show, it's so funny. They get the body out the car, the body that Christopher killed at the meat shop, and they swing in the body. It's no way, bro, that they like, were They would try ever. to throw it in that thing. I st- <laughs> I thought the same thing. Like, bro, like y'all didn't even make it halfway up. Halfway. There's no way y'all trying to throw it in that big ass thing. And if you are, like, could you get on top of the car or something? Like, wouldn't that have been a way more productive way to do that? 
These are like because these are lazy mobsters. Like they they but you know, they they professionals. They supposed to be professionals. <laughs> Another thing that I got from this too did this did this put your antennas up any at all about pussy? Like, did you think something strange oh, was going on, or you just thought that not at all? Yeah. Now watching it, I'm first couple at, watches it didn't, but yeah, yeah. Now like going back and watching it, it does kind of point to that. But like you said, the first couple of times, I'm like, nah, you, you really don't get. You don't think anything different of it, but yeah. But you know, even at this moment, just dealing with it in the sh- actual life of the show, he may have still had had the the mob. I mean, the the mob knob turned up here, where I know what else I got going on. But right now, I'm I'm finessing, so I'm good. I can kind of keep rolling with these things until you know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm applying the pressure. And yeah, then that's I think what I'm that's thinking. It, I'm thinking yes. that he was in that situation right yeah. here and was trying to avoid doing something that would have got him more fucked up. Yeah, so it's 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 so funny. Like they they they, so he's taking initiative, which was like this is something like he's like you didn't even talk to Tony about this. Like right, I didn't. He didn't tell you to do that. Like it ain't this ain't you see you're thinking this is the mob life. You just whack people that getting away, but it, there's a little more finesse to that. And I'm gonna keep on saying that phrase because it speaks volumes throughout the show. Tony says it again. All due respect, you have no idea what it's like to be number one. You can't call the shots on your own, Christopher. You're not even a maid guy, and you're whacking a guy because you overheard a conversation amongst the maid guys. Mm-hmm. This guy's in the way of our garbage business. He's, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. there's other ways to do that. Like they use threats, and we're about to see that as we get further into the show. Um, so, but yeah, I thought it was funny. They ended up going with an audible and say, hey, let's just go ahead and chop them, chop them up and, uh, you know, go, go about our business. So that's that's what they yeah. decided to do. Take the body, put it back in the trunk. They roll out. Uh, as we go to the next scene. Um, great scene. I love I just love how this looks. I love I love Tony doing regular stuff like that. That's one of my favorite things throughout the show. I love Tony doing regular stuff. That's just me. Uh He's taking it. He take his mom and the family to a, a retirement. Is that a retirement facility? Is they, what? Yeah, they yeah they a residential retirement facility, and then okay. the other side was a retirement home. Okay, so all right, because because yeah. they harp on this little detail that is uh, hilarious that he so, but we get Tony passes out again. This is our second time seeing it within the pilot episode. So there. There has to be some kind of stress here, but we'll, as we keep seeing the sessions with Melfi, we'll start to understand what is it that's triggering this, you know, because he's like, mom, 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 and he falls out completely. And, you know, even after the MRI and everything. So it's like, okay, it's not a physical thing. It's something else. So we find that out uh, as they continue on. And and then I think this is another one of those I was talking about, too, with the transitions of power. Like he's trying to. I mean, it. It's an underlying transition of power. Like the person who is the hardest on him mm-hmm. looks at him with the most disdain he feels like. He's trying to essentially alleviate her from his life. I don't want to have to go over here every day and check on you. I'm tired of fucking hearing you, bitch, and I can't do anything to make you fucking happy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put you in this retirement <laughs> home and let these people deal with you. There's a, and he's finally getting a burden off of him and it's making him more powerful per se to free up more bandwidth, to free up more energy. I don't have to deal with this overlying burden that is my mother anymore. Mm. And it makes him anxious. He faints. He falls out. I think yeah. that that's continuously the theme behind to like the, the transference of power when he's fainting and, and doing these things too. Oh, that's what I remember. 
it wasn't nervous breakdown. That's what it was. You anxious. That's what I was wondering. I was like, is yeah. it more of an anxiety attack versus panic yeah, attack? Yeah, like it's an anxious that, thing. Yeah, uh, that's what I. They, that's uh, those aren't the same thing. I thought those were the oh, same. Oh, maybe thing. they are. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't I just know. different terms, but they could be the same thing. You, you have another thing right. I got from this seed too. Uh, Meadow was in full bitch mode. Like Jesus Christ! Like there's <laughs> really a statement being made about Italian women in this show, man. Like, yeah. I ain't, like, it took me a couple of times watching it to see it. Like holy shit! Well, you know that's what if David Chase got a hard time about that. I know we're staying in the show, but mm-hmm. even like a teenage girl, I, I, I know they act that way, but she was on ten. Jesus, uh, she got yeah, for quite a few seasons. She didn't come likable for a long time, but I, I think yeah. well, you know David Chase. He has said that you know Livia is his mother. That was like. Yeah, you he know, did say that. You know, so, but that's why they always feel like blacks and Italians run parallel because of the similarities in how the Italian men and black men are, how Italian women and black women, women are. And black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, there's al- there's always a parallel there. Like I've heard one guy, uh, I know he's not too hot right now, but Ari Spears, he says mm-hmm. that like Italian is the black white person, the closest thing. Like they're like white with seasoning or something like that. So I thought it was Sicilians, I, especially Sicilians. Yeah. Have so because he, he was like, they got yeah. big noses mm-hmm. like us. Some of them got full lips like mm-hmm. us. They, the way the men act with their women like us, like black people. So I think that's why we connect with the show so much. Being black men watching uh, an uh, Italian ensemble. That's why we connect with it so much, because there's such similarities with the outside outside of the mafia uh, thing. You know what I mean? So. But yeah, there is a uh, I'm trying to look this up and I was trying to look it up. So I would have it by the time that you got done talking. There mm-hmm. is a scene in a movie. Do you, have you seen the movie that, that James Galdolfini is in? No, nah, I, I really do want to start after this. After this um, series again, I'm, I'm going to find it stuff. for you. There is a film that he is in called. Damn, man, where the fuck is the name of it? Uh, however, this the film that he True Romance is called True Romance, and mm-hmm. there is a scene in that film where a guy is talking essentially about how close Sicily is to Africa, and mm-hmm. how the Moors uh made their way to Italy, and the mixture of Sicilian blood and black blood. Like it's mm-hmm. a whole history lesson thing inside a movie, but it's a really fire ass scene that yeah. talks to exactly what we're talking about and why Italian and black, you know, is so close. And yeah. he tells the story behind it. I'll send it to you when I find a link. Maybe we can oh, yes. it in the show notes. Oh, but it's yes. a really good ass scene on true romance. And the guy's telling uh, the clip. It's, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guy's telling the clip of uh, the whole story behind how, why Sicilians and Africans are so closely intertwined. And we see that a lot. Uh, I'm watching Godfather of Harlem, and we see that that battle in New York between the blacks and the Italians uh, mm-hmm. in there. And then, of course, here in Many Saints in Newark, we see that then as well. So it's it, there's always a parallel here. So it just makes so much sense to get a, a black-led podcast to talk about The Sopranos. So we get back, and now <laughs> Tony has to go back to Melfi's office because he, he's really mad about this now. Like, he's really flustered at, like, okay, this is – I don't know the time frame between the the barbecue pass out and this pass out, uh, but I know that it's like, okay, it's starting to become a little more frequent. And I think it, mm-hmm. it, got, it got more frequent as he went higher up in the rankings, the responsibility yes, yes. level, because he's getting closer to being number one. Right now, Tony's number two. So he's getting closer to being number one as the things the things that he's doing. But we'll find out like 
what that entails as we go on. Anything you want to talk about in regards to him uh, coming back to Melfi's scene? Uh, with this, let's see what my notes say. The she Rico presses, thing was funny, though. <laughs> yeah, it was. She presses him on his line of work here. And again, he's talking about being the sad clown, feeling like everyone's laughing at him. Though that that's not the perception that we see as a viewer. We feel like everybody admires him. So it's interesting to hear him say he feels like the sad clown. Uh, and we'll, that'll be revisited as well throughout the series. Yeah. And that kind of adds to Carmela's narrative that like, oh, woe is me. Oh, mm-hmm. here you go again with this bullshit. And again, he's really hard my home. Like, I just don't feel right. And as men, we talked about this on another. It's so hard to say that. Yeah. It's so hard to be like, man, I just I don't know what it is. I don't have anything to be sad about, but it's just I do not feel happy. Yep. I think as men, a lot of the times we go there and, and she, Dr. Melfi is trying to pull that out of him because mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge it first. And it, it that was a really great scene. I think it goes a great way. Yeah, I do, too. And I think uh, I just think uh, and people and we'll keep moving, but people just that be like, I can do without the doctor scenes is is ridiculous to me every time no, like because of, yeah i hear that a lot it's the though. fabric of the well, show. half of like probably like a third of the sopranos fans say if they didn't have the melfi scenes i would be fine like i'm like nah, i no, i no, need no. the I, i'm here for every melfi dr melfi is one of the best characters on the show Abs- for me. absolutely yeah, and, and it helped me really get in touch with my feelings like this show we mm-hmm. talk about the connection from entertainment to real life it definitely helped me get more in touch with my feelings because I feel that way sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as like, just like, why am I not happy? Could I be more happy or could I, you know, what, why, why is this? Why is that? So um, we'll keep, we'll kind of move along here. I know we spent a lot of time here, so we'll just uh, continue on. Uh, we get introduced to uh, Hesh. Hesh is, Hesh. Hesh is a, uh, for me, he's low key. One of my favorite. <laughs> He was always one of my favorites. Really? I hated Hesh. I, I really like Hesh. Racist bastard. <laughs> he is racist, but they all racist. Though. He is, man. But, all, Hesh you know, they, they, but he's Hesh a Jew. Took this, so he, he had his nose up. Yeah, and this what I was going This is the only thing that I wanted to point out what I thought was interesting here. Did you watch Boardwalk Empire? No, I didn't, but I know we got a uh, guy in there. Tony. Uh, yeah, Tony, yeah Tony V. Yeah, but the, what I was referencing there is they show the Steve, dynamic I'm so sorry. Even, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. even the, the dynamic of that's where you get this whole Jewish lawyer thing the dynamic of Jewish counsel to the Italian mob mm. it goes all the way back to boardwalk empire times when you're talking about like the 1930s or whatnot even here still to this day mm-hmm. and again that's where you get that cliche of the Jewish mobster mm-hmm. they rely heavily in this organized crime on people like Hesh and yeah. back in Boardwalk Empire, it was uh, Arnold Rothstein. Rothstein was like the consigliere or the advisor to some other Italians. And they went on to build like big mafia shit. But it's yeah. just I just found it interesting that they threw this in here. Yeah. his role as the, like you just said, Jewish counsel, because Tony takes his opinion very seriously. Like he thinks yes, Hesh is brilliant. And again, yeah. speaking to the nostalgia. Speaking back to what we talked about of him seeing the heyday, Hesh came up with his dad, was real great friends with his dad. Mm-hmm. So we see him have that respect for Hesh and what he does. I thought this was great. Yeah, and we are. We'll find out later that Hesh had quite a finesse that he did back in mm-hmm. the day in the music industry. So I think that yes. you know him coming up with that type of finesse is that's why he got he to, got big to money this back. day. They still got that scheme right? to this day. So to this day. Uh, so we move on scene 17. We, we don't have to spend a lot of time here because uh, we really kind of wrap this around Tony for right now. But as 
as the seasons progress, we will dissect more into other characters, at least his family. But right now, they're just laying the foundation of what's going on. The, the one thing I will say is interesting between the Meadow and Carmella argument. Meadow sits, <laughs> Meadow sits in the her chair and she gets on her computer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to find the line here. Uh, what did she say? Uh, uh, what did, what did she it, when she told a, her she can't just lie and cheat? Oh uh, yes, whatever yes. She, and then she had this like smirk, like uh, that really, like, really, bitch. Because like, she really, really. So this is a C song that she understands what her dad does. What's going her. on? She's old enough to know. She's right. old enough to know. So that 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 is what I thought was intriguing. We'll get that big reveal. And she uh, goes like waste management, like sarcastically exactly, says exactly. that. Yeah, and we'll get that reveal in episode four. Uh, mm-hmm. well, you know, from her perspective, she's so. a junior in high school, I think, right? And AJ, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, she's a junior in high school at this point. And AJ is in the eighth grade, so it hasn't really reached AJ yet. AJ okay. still genuinely thinks that his dad is in waste management, yeah. and it shows like as you get older, what people around you are starting to say because you even see. Um, a couple of times, if you'll pay attention to Meadow's friend, her kind of make a couple eye rolls or snide remarks towards Mrs. Soprano about her knowing what they do. So you can tell that the outside world is heavily influencing Meadow's uh, perception of her mm-hmm. dad, of their lifestyle. And that's why she's lenient with the rules. Like, I can leave out of the house and go see. Like, it's not a big deal. Y'all are fucking out here murdering people and robbing and killing. Like, that's essentially how yeah, that's how she's looking at them throughout the show until she starts to grow up some. And for AJ, he's completely oblivious. He hadn't even got what they do yet. Like, it's still and I think that's interesting that they they didn't even focus a lot on AJ in this first episode. Like, you Mm -hmm. would think that Tony would be all about AJ. Yeah, This is my son, the heir apparent, or at least steering him away from what they got going on but it's like aj is an afterthought to him and we see later in their series how that plays out like if you're paying attention now they really are playing the season like traditionally if you're watching a show like this the father-son dynamic would be heavy in it right would you think so well yeah but you got to remember christopher serves that spot initially and Christopher was probably in that spot before AJ was born because he's older than AJ, right? Well, because, so he's been grooming. Yes. He's been grooming AJ for. The, I mean, excuse me, Christopher, that spot. You're right, but I'm speaking even in the sense of Tony just showing or acknowledging or being present there for AJ, even if he doesn't want him to be a mobster. Nothing else. Like there's nothing literally about AJ in this episode. He's like almost like the forgotten son which probably I think is an episode title and goes to the personality that AJ starts to build throughout the series. Like, Hey, no one is paying attention to me. Yeah. And we see how that plays out. I, I think that, and I think Tony's just going by how he, he came up. That's how my dad did me. Yeah. We will yeah, see yeah, yeah, clips. Yeah. We'll see, like yep. Janice yep. getting taken places, but yeah, yes. like you're just supposed, you're supposed to be just my son. Exist this is what like, it looks like. You're supposed to know what to do. Like, I ain't got to be here and teach you. I'm, a, I'm out here getting I it turned in out fine. It good for us. Exactly. Yep. And you see the the effects that it played on, AJ. So these next two scenes, uh, they, they're par- they're, actually the next, yeah, next two scenes, they're parallel, scene 18 and 19. Tony goes back to Vesuvio's, and we see Artie Bucco, one of my favorite characters, one of the funniest characters. I hate Artie. 
What? I, I thought you. Man. Okay, we we gonna revisit that. We gonna revisit. <laughs> Artie Buko, uh, a clean, legit, had an opportunity yeah. to you know uh, participate in some of the activities when they were coming up. He's a, a friend of theirs since high school, I believe. Uh, Tony's best friend. So, but he went the legit route, which everybody like, even in the black community, those who are in the streets, there's always uh, friends of yours that were legitimate civilians, civilian mm-hmm. like that. They did it the corporate way, did it the regular way, so to speak. So he tries to give him these tickets because he's trying to set it up like, look, I'm going to let my uncle Junior go ahead and whack uh, little P in here, but I need you to be out of here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and he's like, he's with it. He's like, cool. I can use a vacation anyway. I'm going to run this back by my wife. I go. He goes to Charmaine, Charmaine being the nagging wife that she is, not wanting to take anything from the mobsters because it always comes with a price tag, which we know that. Uh, but he, uh, I think he understands, he's thinking that Tony doesn't have anything to get off from me with this. Like we know that he comps his meals all the time here, but he has nothing to get off here. He's just doing this, just being a genuine friend. So, but she already knows what it is. She don't rock with Tony at all, and so he he eventually has to go and return those. So we we're, we'll do away from that scene when he does come back later in the show uh, at the trash, the little garbage place where their corporate work of business waste management. Right. But we will talk about this. This is a dope scene, bro, and we're really getting mm-hmm. ready to conclude. But well, well, yeah. As far as when they took him out there and kind of ran the, the, so, the yes. plan by him, so yeah, well, that happy. was. A, uh, mm-hmm. That was a dope scene, and I like how Hesh was kind of you bring pussy along, you you lay the groundwork there, and the so subtle threat. Yes, like they yes. see the ice cream truck pulling <laughs> off, you see the little boy pulling <laughs> off on the bike. It's just so great. As and speaking to David Chase and what he was trying to do, just so subtle filmmaking clues. Mm-hmm. Like it got tense real quick out of nowhere. This is a nice, beautiful day. There's an ice cream truck, big pussy eating ice cream. So. That was great how that played out as far as how tense it was and also reminding you, the viewer, this is the world that we're living in. This ain't fucking ice cream and, and parks. So, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And he was like at the end of, yeah, I'll try it. Yep. That's yeah, a big okay. deal for Tony. These, like, I, I like how in the background the deals play out because it, there, there are a lot of deals that elevate Tony to bigger levels in this in this show that happened, but they're never really made a big deal. Yes, like stuff happens in the background. We like that's a, a whole lot of money that he's about to make, and then they go through, and you kind of just see his lifestyle getting better. You see mm-hmm. him go from the suburban to the Cadillac truck, and just it's it's great how they play it out, with not being too overtly focused on the interworkings of the deal. I just like this. This is the only thing I'm gonna chime in here. I just like Hesh saying, "Hey, let's go take a a walk yeah, let's go down there me. on the rocks." Like you and don't walk. He throws on. the ice cream. Hey, um, like the court. Like you can't choreograph this. You guys have done this before, like yes. this. Because even Hesh, he he's mafia jace or so, right like affiliated but he's yeah. a jew so he's he's a friend of the family. He's a friend of the. He's a friend of theirs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so friend of ours. But. The fact that he look how comfortable he is, like even in the screenshot, like he has his arm leaned on the bridge. He know how to play it. Yeah, he know, he know how, how to play, to play the it. Big P, because he's like, because Hesh is probably one of the people like, don't have me around no crime. Like I'm not going mm-hmm. to be a part of like murder. However, if we're talking about threats, I'll let you guys. I'll threat, but y'all handle the, the y'all beat the muscle. So the way he brought Big P with him, I was like, oh man, he just threw the ice cream, just so chill. Like oh, I just. Yeah. Oh man, I love it. So I, I ain't gonna harp Thanks. too much on that scene, but golly, that that scene was so artistic and so beautiful. 
So yes. we get the scene like I spoke before about Artie having returned tickets to. Uh, I don't think we hit on that enough like we did. We should have though. Like what? so. Okay. The whole scheme and the thing of how Tony was trying to save the restaurant, Hesh gave him the idea. I want you just let him go away somewhere on a trip for a while. That way, Junior doesn't uh, do the hit there. You save mm-hmm. his restaurant. Everything should be fine. And again, this is what we're talking about with the Jewish Council. Tony thinks this is a brilliant idea. You're absolutely right. Let mm-hmm. me buy him some tickets. Let him go on vacation. The restaurant will be closed. Junior won't have the opportunity to do this bad thing that will ruin my friend's life. Mm-hmm. There it is. We think the answer. But again, you have Charmaine Bucco, who we talked about. It's like, <laughs> you're not taking tickets from Tony Soprano. This, that, and the third. Which she she has a great point. Like she she, I'm, I'm saying that, but she she's making very good sense. We as men sometimes don't look at it the way that women do. Like yeah. They're trying to protect us. We're yeah. trying to have fun, essentially. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to concede. And already siding with reason and trying a happy wife, happy life. He understands what she's saying, though he doesn't want to admit it. He knows mm-hmm. I'm not really affiliated. I don't want to get into all this. I'm a civilian, so let me mm-hmm. give the tickets back. And this is where, like you said, we go to the scene and we have this constant struggle between Artie himself and Tony mm-hmm. about how close to the line, like we were talking about with the priest, how close to the line can I get as a friend? Yeah. And this is just one of those things where I can't cross the line, yeah. even though it would have helped him in the long run. Man, and I just I, this we're about to get to the end here because I just want to talk about what I'm looking forward to, but I'm okay. not gonna stop here at this place. I'm gonna put it towards the end because I know we're going you know kind of long here, but it's the pilot episode. That's what happens. Right. Uh, so, where does where does Tony get the idea of blowing up Vesuvio's? After the ticket is returned, I don't never really think that they see that. I don't know if we see that play out on screen. Oh, I don't remember seeing was it when he was talking to uh, Seal at the volleyball game? Maybe so. You're right because I remember they were making Guma. some kind of plan. But but, yeah, but I'm jumping. You see Seal. I think I'm jumping way ahead. And you see Seal walking away. You know Seal blew it up. Yes. So it may have been there. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me go back real quick. I don't want it, but uh, Melfi uh, Melfi sees Tony of Vesuvio's. Now this uh this is where when I came back after trying to watch the show a couple times and mm-hmm. just be like I don't get it and not watching the whole episode by the time mm-hmm. I got here to this scene even in this screenshot I remember seeing Melfi and I thought she was so fine like I was like really? oh, she, oh yeah I was hmm. like oh she is like in that older woman mature I got it together right. professional there's there's a, an like attraction a teacher. like yeah, teacher like the, like the teacher mm-hmm. fantasy like there's for me I've always been mm-hmm. attracted to a certain idea concept and she fitted like she had the glasses off that's what uh, tony that's what she called out tony for yes like you were attracted to the idea of who i am that's yes. why you are you chose me as a therapist yeah yeah so when i seen her without the glasses and i seen like they in vesuvio or i think they're in vesuvio's here but uh it just looked so classy it looked very mobsterish i remember looking at it i'm like okay now i get it because in my yeah. head i'm just thinking okay i'm on the journey of how he, he gonna end up getting you know physical with uh melfi so I was yeah. here for that journey because I still wasn't catching on to the whole premise in my very first watch. I'm here for like, okay, how, how, how is he going to figure out how to get physical in a in a sexual way? With how he going to move in on it. How yeah. he going to move in on it. That was what I was here for at first. couple things from this scene for me. We see Tony with, I don't know, I, did they switch the Gumas or was it supposed yes. to be the same one? Okay, they did switch That was the Irene. So that was, a, yeah. that but, was, they switched them out. So this is yes. the same character, just a different woman. Yes. So okay, priest and Irina, yeah. 
and we're switched. One more character, they but yeah. got it. Okay, understood. Because I know she had blonde hair, and we really didn't see that, but she did have the same accent, which yes. confused me. This for the viewer watching this a couple of times, what it does for us is finally show us that Dr. Melfi does know, in fact, who Tony Soprano is. Mm-hmm. She played it very coy as far as asking him what he does. I'm going to stop you there if you do this. She was really coy in essentially knowing who he was. And I spoke to that car scene where they ran the guy over. Those people probably knew who he was. He's been on the news. They know around town who Tony mm-hmm. Soprano is that's familiar with it, which is why you didn't see any action taken. We're yeah. supposed to get that from that. Here, I think as a viewer, we're supposed to understand that Dr. Melfi does, in fact, know who he is. And she's slightly attracted to what him being a patient may bring her. Okay. Like the looks that she'll get from her colleagues, knowing that I'm the one that's treating doctors or I'm the patient for Dr. Soprano. Even though she plays it real coy, mm-hmm. we start to see that she like, again, in fact, knows who he is and all of these things that come with seeing Tony Soprano. I thought this was a great scene. It's it's a big deal. If I could. Because you him. see the guy like he he yeah. drew. <laughs> oh, that's Tony Soprano. But like, the dude, that, the way Tony. <laughs> the way that was Tony. such a mob. So like, what's happening? Like, yeah. whatever you said oh, yeah. to him, what's up? Yeah. Like, that was what, all right, what you yeah, all right, bro. Like, but What's he up? just he says these de- those decorating tips, like you know, which was you know, um what what was the medicine? The play. The the uh, me- oh uh, medic- the Prozac, Prozac. Prozac. So she gave him pro- prescribed him Prozac when he spoke about being depressed. And so the decorating tips is what he's talking about. But I agree with you, yeah, exactly. Uh she yep. does know who he is and she is attracted to that. But I do think that she also is physically attracted to him. I because yep. she because yep. later on we say, you know. Is it my face? Is it? And she says it's not she your face. She does say he's handsome. Yeah. yeah, she said, I think you got a nice face. That was later on down the road. So I do think she is physically attracted. I don't she, know if I got that, though. I think she's attracted to his, the Tony Soprano, not physically. I think I think that she's like more, it's in, it's just as intriguing to her as it is to everyone else. She just plays it off the best. Tony okay. Soprano I mean, is like the light. He's the light. All the moths are attracted to it. She's no different, though. She tries to really, really play it off. That is a very that's interesting. That's a very interesting theme. I'm, I'm going I'm to keep a close watch on that throughout the okay. rest of us doing it, doing these podcasts to see like because I always thought, yeah, the, the, the mobster aspect, but I always thought that Tony had he's charming. Like, mm. I, I felt like he always had a charm because I feel like people that <laughs> even that didn't know he was a mobster, I felt like he still operated with a certain charm you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so uh, but 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 you're you i think i'm going to look at it from those lenses like people just being attracted to tony but anyway we this scene ties into the next scene he's with Irina, which we know was recasted which i'm glad they recast it not because i have an issue with the blonde Irina, but because i think that uh Irina represents the opposite of carmella and i think her yep. being a blonde it would um, even though sometimes men step out and get essentially the same thing they already have right. at home but younger, I like or, that too. So I like, I like the, that they changed it too. Yes, 100%. I like that idea, and and so, uh, but they have their whole scene on Stugats, which is I think it stands for balls or the balls. Uh, so I thought I, I love every time I see Stugats. Boat name, yeah. yeah the, so I, I I like Stugats. That's that's tight. Uh, but that's Tony's boat. You know, what I mean, he's got a few things. Been in the business, so you know they're having their little side thing. But then we get uh, Tony and the Carmella. Very next scene, yeah, we get Tony and Carmella. Scene. Yes. And she's such a drama queen. Like you see throughout the series, (laughs) this lays the foundation of 
just her being a drama queen. And she thinks that Tony is going to admit to having a guma uh, when really he admits to being in therapy mm -hmm. and versus how everyone else would receive this information in his life. She is thrilled. Yes. And I think that she was the only, and he's surprised by that. And I think that she was the only person that he could have told that to, and they would have given that reaction, which pushes him to continue to go. I think mm -hmm. that he thinks he's doing something right. At least I'm doing this and it's going to give me a positive benefit. My wife loves it. So I think that's what continues to push him because she is thrilled. Oh, yes. That he it, is fit, yeah. it fits the narrative of the family civilian side, not the mm -hmm. family, the mob side. So I, that it benefits. I'm, and I'm going to keep using this thing. It benefits Anthony Soprano. Yes. And it does benefit Tony as well. We'll see like certain plays he make. But in this moment, it. For her, looking at Anthony, you know, Tony, you know, Anthony Soprano, I feel like the therapy in this regard for the civilian side of who he is, it, it, it benefits the family for that sake. So she's thrilled. But I love this moment. He's like, what are you doing? And she's like getting ready to throw this wine in your face. Like, and I just immediately thought about like uh, Housewives of Atlanta or something like I was like, I don't know why I just thought like some reality TV stuff right there. I'm like, ah, that's mm. funny. But one thing I did want to say, <laughs> a couple things she said, he said. Uh, you think I was Hannibal Lecture instead of Hannibal Lecter? Yeah. So I thought I think that's, that's funny. funny. They they talk about the I think the word is malaprop malaprops or malapropisms, mm -hmm. something where they don't say something exactly correct. Just like uh, uh, Christopher said earlier with Big P, he said something incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and then she says, I think it's great. Uh, psychology doesn't address the soul, but this is a start, and this ties yeah. back to her, uh, you know, uh, Catholic roots. Hell. Yeah, uh, in that and and uh, her Catholic roots and everything. So she's very stoked about this. Um, this scene, I'm only going to touch on. I don't want to touch about touch on a whole lot here. But the next scene of uh, Tony going to Meadows uh, volleyball game, I do like. I, again, I love them always putting the regularness of life in there. That's a theme as well. But he goes into this church and he talks about uh, his family and like or or these two guys that built the church. Uh, together they built this because it, it it ties back into his love for nostalgia and how things used to be in this idea and this concept but before that him and seal are making this plan uh for to blow vesuvios up which was a great plan and i know mm -hmm. it i heard him to do it but i think it was a great plan anything you want to add to this scene that's uh, yeah i think that was a great plan too i think it was very uh you show how his influence is over metal too Mm -hmm. Essentially, she takes the same approach to try to get someone to do something by going to the more powerful person as he did with Lydia Jr. Mm -hmm. When she's this is at this point, Meadow has been caught uh, sneaking out of the window. Her trip to Aspen with Hunter has been canceled mm -hmm. and she just has a standoff with her mom. And Tony really has stayed out of it. And she may, goes out of her way, like even though he's talking about this stuff being built, like you said, which is a great scene and the nostalgia for the past. Mm -hmm. She's like, Dad, don't you think it's unfair what mom is doing? Just planting that seed, trying mm -hmm. to get someone the back channeling that happens in this world. I think that was a great little tweak there, too, because I think he does end up talking to her about that. But I just think that was great how we see her pick up and how things or decisions are made. I'm going to get someone to speak on my behalf because clearly the person and I are having some sort of conflict. So let's bring a third party mediator into this. I just that that plays out very well for me. I like that. Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 about who, you know, not what, you know, in this mm -hmm. world, you know, which exactly. is a, a running theme as well. Uh, 
Tony, this is the funniest scene to me. Like I laughed the hardest when I got here. When he walked off right here? No. So uh-huh. I seen so Seal blows up Vesuvio's walking off looking like an action movie. The more some more cinef- cinematography here, which was great, but you know, Seal being a loyal soldier as he is. Uh so but scene twenty seven here, uh Tony tells Melfi about this dream. This is the first dream uh that we get revealed here. We didn't see the dream, and a lot of times we don't, but he talks about this dream, this dream of him unscrewing his belly button. And while he unscrews his belly button, he has his genitalia in his mm-hmm. hand. But the, yeah. the funniest thing, <laughs> the funniest thing, bro, the way he's holding his hand, like this whole time while he's talking about it, he's reliving the dream yeah. in real it's time. Like it's playing out in his head. Yeah, and so he said, I'm holding I'm holding it in my hand. <laughs> and I got a Phillips yeah. screw. Like he's really the fact that he, he that's up. how brilliant it is. He can remember his dreams that clear. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't remember my dreams that clear. I remember a portion of it, but he remembers yeah. it so clear. Uh, but he's <laughs> so he says his penis falls off. And, <laughs> and and so he's talking about it, but then he talks about the birds, a bird flew away with it. And right, it's the water fun- bird. Yeah, and as funny as it was, it's a very interesting dream. I just thought it, but set aside how interesting it was, it was just so funny to me because he's doing the gesture of untwisting his belly button and holding his hand up with like, oh my God, bro. Oh, my stomach weak now. <laughs> I picked up on, to me, uh, <laughs> the the placebo effect that they mentioned from, like he's thinking that the drugs are working. Okay. And she's trying to explain to him that it's really just, you're talking. Like you're you're letting your feelings out, whether they be lies or not, whether you're being truly honest, the fact that you're sharing information with somebody about stuff that's on your mind is helping you. And you thought it was the Prozac. She's like, mm-hmm. no, that didn't kick in for a couple of weeks. And that kind of just blows his mind. Mm-hmm. And instead of him addressing that, he's like, well, who the fuck has time to come here and talk every week to you? Like, I'm thinking that you're curing me. Like, I thought that there was an end goal. Mm-hmm. And they will see that reoccur a lot of times where he feel like this is a racket mm-hmm. <laughs> and because he runs rackets but i just thought that was the most interesting thing to me that he really didn't even acknowledge or try to scurry away from very quickly that no it's you sharing this information with me it's actually addressing how you're feeling about stuff versus medicine like that you thought that was helping you the reason that you're feeling better is because you're actually addressing stuff i thought that went a long way and it got him to tears. I'm looking at it while we're watching, while we're doing this. Too. Oh, that's fire. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing uh, we get, and this is where the, uh, the show pretty much wraps up these last. And he actually cries right here when he's talking about that. Yeah. And now yeah. I, it was a and challenge. He says for this me. funny ass thing when he says, oh, fuck. Now he's going to cry. He sounded just <laughs> like his mom. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and so I imagine he's he's upset with thinking the Gary Cooper thing again. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm actually like, ah, here we go. Here you go crying. Now open it up. What happened to the strong silent type? You know what I'm saying? So, but we get this scene. Some of my favorite scenes always are around his house. Like I just love the those moments. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but so he gets out here. He's grilling. He's with the guys, the mob guys, and this is a thing that they do. Sometimes they do it because they're. Uh, Carmela talks about rather the guys are really his friends or not or they're just you know uh in this thing of ours in this thing of theirs so there's a thing that she talks about later on about another season where she talks about are they really his friends so even then even though we don't know that at this point 
it's very dope to just see the guys come over here. They're doing some casual. They're not at mm. uh, the yeah. meat market. You know, they're right here grilling with Tony. Artie goes on and talk, you know, talks about how sad it is that, you know, Vesuvio's blew up and he think it's a, a cooking error or appliance electrical error that blew the whole thing up. I don't know how Seal finessed that in that way or how they even got that to work for the insurance. Uh, but they had it. They got a guy. Oh, so okay. they okay. blow it up and then they have a guy that's an adjuster that goes to what they say. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, but the, that was the, what I got for the second Vesuvio's was way better. But anyway, but yeah, uh, one, one thing too, before we get to that, one thing that I, again, I'm watching while we said, I think one of the most important things, because I was like, we talked about the ducks and he admits to Melfi in this scene. Mm -hmm. I think, or the, the significance of that dream that you were talking about that was funny is I think that I'm going to lose my family the way that I lost the ducks. Like they're going to fly away. Like mm -hmm. this stuff that I'm doing, having a guma, everything on the size, the anxiety, the, the panic attacks, whatever it is, is going to make me lose my family. And not just my family family, but my mm -hmm. family, the family yes. that I'm trying to gain and be the boss of as well. I think that was great that he admits that. And that's what brings him to tears and the connection between the duck flying off with his penis or whatnot and the ducks leaving because a lot of like a, a couple yeah. of watches the first time through i was like what's the significance of the duck mm -hmm. but he does admit it and it seems like the ducks like i think i'm gonna lose my family like this is why i'm here this is the thing that's bringing me the most dread this is what i think i'm depressed about is like i'm gonna lose everything lose my family so i think that was dope i, I agree and i think yeah and i agree and i think that we will come back to this episode on the last episode, episode eighty six, I believe, because again, that 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 concept they lay out in the very beginning, in at the end. So yep. speaking to the family thing, and then we'll go to the last episode when that time presents, and we'll we'll parallel and correlate this episode, some of the themes, and then the last episode to see how it sandwiches together. But he yep. he hugs Artie. He he be the true friend. He Tony's now in. in uh, in touch with his feelings, which is making him a better boss, making him a better man uh, for both families. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's funny when the mob guys try to like get in touch with their feelings. They don't really know how to, which is hilarious to me. But in this moment, they don't yeah. make a, such a big deal about it. But there's a moment later on uh, when they're in uh, uh, the pork store. Um, that's super funny. But right here, they just try to understand. They try to work with Artie and Artie's around the mob guys and, you know, I just love that he's a civilian, but he's able to operate with these mob guys. These mob guys are not so exclusive like Goodfellas, where you don't have like outside people in there. You know, I mean, you just you're just a mob family hanging out. I like that they have other people that will come in to the play like a like a, a you know, Olivia or so on and so forth. But yeah. uh, we get this scene for me. It shows yes. the this scene is like the lack of buy in or tact that Christopher has. Because mm -hmm. even as they're explaining it to Artie, Christopher is almost like you're saying too much. And this is a reoccurring theme also with Christopher throughout the series. This is like he doesn't really get the full gist of what we do. Sometimes you say too much. Sometimes you do the wrong thing. And even as he's talking to Tony about wanting to fucking do the screenplay. Mm -hmm. Like, no, bro, this that's not what we do. Like, th yes. that's not what you're a part of. You're a part. And I'm trying to show you something different. Like you're talking about like fairy tale shit. Mm -hmm. And I that just I just really feel like that was significant to Christopher's character and how he always consistently shows that he's never really I don't know if it's buy-in or doesn't really truly get the life like Tony wants him to. Cause he makes that comment about well you did you ever think that something would happen and all of the guys pussy looks at him, Seal looks at him, mm -hmm. Paulie looks at him like, bruh, 
Like, come on, man. Like, yeah. why'd you say that? I just think that his lack of tact says a lot about his individualism and talking about wanting to write the screenplay of just how yeah. he doesn't see this life the same way they does and speaks to what Tony was saying about being at the end of a thing. Like Christopher's the next generation. This nigga talking about yeah. writing movies. Tony yeah. didn't dream of doing that. Yes. He's like, you know how many fucking screenplay that been offered to me? So selling I his think life. that was really dope. Selling yeah, his really life. Dope. You know, and I think that this this is a, a realistic thing because it always happens. The next generation comes in and they f- feel like they can rewrite uh, mm-hmm. you know, traditions. You know what I'm do saying? Do shit different like they want to do versus but, how it's already been done and successful. But it's funny because we look at Chris with our nose up in the scene, like we know that nah, you can't do that. But some things that Chris say, he's actually right. You know what I mean? Because it's like you got you're looking at me funny. But the reality of the situation is y'all came in doing it differently than Uncle Junior, Johnny, yeah. and, and 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 Richie Chris, and them. You know Chris what I'm saying? Chris does have a realistic view, one hundred percent. And his growth is amazing. But I will say he 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 alludes to Goodfellas and he says yeah. like Hen- and, and Tony says like Henry Hill and, and which is a, a real life person that was uh uh informant that was once mm-hmm. you know, y'all know the, the movie Goodfellas, which yeah. uh Sopranos is heavily inspired by just the day-to-day living of uh, the mobster. Um, so, but I think that now Tony does give him some, you know, give him some leeway and say, okay, you're right. I didn't say I appreciate it and all this, but Chris definitely comes in entitled wanting things to be a certain way. And Tony has to check him. Yeah. He, he literally has to get in touch with his feelings right away. So yeah, I, I think he checks him as his nephew and he's like, look, okay, you're right. Even though you made the mistake, I didn't ask you to whack uh, a meal, but, I understand you trying to make initiative. I understand you want to be made and you were looking out. I get it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I appreciate this scene. This is one of my favorite scenes, honestly, because this, this is going to be a thing all throughout the seasons. So uncle junior, Olivia, they begin plotting really mostly uncle junior, but right now, Olivia, I think she serves as like the Gary Cooper in this moment because she's being kind of silent and strong. I feel like, cause she's not really elaborating for real, but there's only one part. There's just, one thing that I'll speak to, but uh, Uncle Junior is looking for her approval because he understands what this means. This is your son. This is our blood. And I really want to do this because I refuse to be skipped over this time. I was skipped over before. I'm not going to be skipped over again. And so I think that's his, that's his whole thing. I'm going to be the boss and I'm going to be, you know, the head of the family. This is what I'm going to do. But there's this part where <laughs> she says, uh, and Johnny, he, oh, he was a saint. And he said, anyways, oh, my gosh, I never caught that. I was rolling when he said that because because she always does that. Like, yeah, she does try to paint him as a saint. Um, you brought up a good point when you're saying Christopher even tells Tony how they're doing it differently from Junior's generation. And mm-hmm. when we cut to that scene, you see Junior telling Lydia essentially the same thing that Tony is saying. Mm-hmm. Ah, this stuff now we're at the end of an essentially complaining about being at the end of an era. Mm-hmm. And uh, how it's not the same anymore. And they're running this stuff into the ground. And Lydia, like you said, she's just listening, taking notes, taking notes. What I've always struggled with with this is how incredibly petty that she is and that she's willing to listen to this about her son just because he sent her to a nursing home. Like, I think they do a good job of developing it out more uh, throughout the series of what her real issue is. Yeah, it's a retirement facility. Uh, she does a really good job because 
he essentially says in that car he's planting the seeds to let her know about her son hey man he's doing too much mm -hmm. i refuse to get passed over again like you said and he ends the car ride and it cuts off from the scene it was like something may have to be done about tony and yes. you don't get this she's not appalled it doesn't know a gas there like it doesn't mm -hmm. take her back mm -hmm. she just stares out the window like you said gary cooper strong silent type and you think well what in the fuck could make a mom resent their son that much? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what I was left with. And I was like, I can't be just the nursing home thing. So I just, I think that was a good way to leave it with a lot of shows like this. The cliffhanger is much more overt. You get somebody dying or who's yeah. going to do this next. That cliffhanger was brilliant to me. Yeah, like just, I, just yeah. leaving her to sit with and us not knowing how she is hearing him potentially talking about doing something to her son. I think that was a great setup for the villain that yes. she was going to be. And that, that, yeah, you're right. That now it takes us on. Okay, now we we have opposition for this season one of Sopranos. Mm -hmm. uh, as we close here, I mean, viable opposition, viable too. too. Yeah, because like, it's a, it's very complex to have to deal with an enemy that's within your bloodline right. and it's the people that mean so much to you. Uh, I did want to say, as we close here, I forgot about her mentioning. She said, you know, daughters always take more care of their mothers this year. but but none of them were around you know what i'm saying so there we'll, we'll try to figure out a little bit more of where this resentment uh, is is it her condition or is it something deeply rooted uh you know uh why she has such a disdain for tony aka anthony uh soprano so i want to say as we close here uh a couple of things we try to do here at the end in at the end here i want to say first i want to say Who's the who gets the good earner award for this episode, uh, which is basically the MVP of this episode. I, I think we can probably understand who really is the MVP in this episode. But I'm, I'm going to jump out there. I'm going to say Tony. Clearly, it, it was built around him. Most episodes are. But I feel like he got his HMO scheme done. I feel like he's getting his retirement scheme done. I feel like he got successfully blew up Vesuvios uh, without nobody getting hurt. And they had to whack little little P somewhere else. Um, so I feel like. Tony is the good earner for this episode. What about you, Spike? I can go with Tony. Absolutely. Tony did the best job. Great introduction. Way to show us how he navigate through his life. Like you said, got a couple of the schemes pulled off that he wanted to. So, yeah, good earner of the episode. Definitely Tony. Okay. Uh, so, Broken Balls, that, that's the person that took the biggest L in the episode. Uh, for me, that the person that took the biggest L is um, Uncle Junior. Uh, mm. simply, simply because he didn't he didn't get off really what he was trying to get off he had no control of what he was trying to get off he wanted to kill little p and it was going to be in vesuvios because that's where they he's always attending and he didn't get to do that tony robbed him of being able to make that chess play and so now he still mm. has to go and kiss tony's behind at the barbecue later in the episode so uncle junior to me had the broken balls the biggest L of that episode it's already buco for me um mm. lost his shop didn't get to go on a vacation. The wife's a bitch. And he's he sees he's just a pawn in their game. Like, and again, we're gonna talk about this as we do this. Like the back, the the shrapnel that that that, that just blows back from Tony's decision and how it affects Artie throughout the series. And that man has absolutely zero stake in the game. Yes. You get none of the benefits but all of the L's. Mm -hmm. Like even with this, like you said, it ain't a bad thing. You're gonna get the insurance money, like Tony said. 
Uh, but still, I got to rebuild my fucking restaurant. I got to go through all of this shit. I put mm -hmm. my hopes and my dreams into this first one. Mm -hmm. I get robbed of going on a vacation that could have prevented that. And my wife is just a bitch. Like, where does this <laughs> nigga get his joy from? Like, is it cooking? Like, all my joy yeah. is in cooking, man. Yeah. So, and he gets, and he has to watch, like, you see this throughout the series, man. He just, and it, it eats up in him, and we'll see oh, it play man. out in the storyline with him. I got to watch you guys live this lifestyle that man. I just feel like is so glamorous, man. Yes. I grew up with these dudes, and y'all just get to have the fun and do the things, and I'm fucking in the kitchen cooking, listening to my wife, bitch. I don't yes. get to go on vacations. Yes. Artie fucking Buko, man, gets the short end of the stick. Man. Yes, man, what a breakdown, man. I'll, I'll say, yeah. uh, lastly, we ranked the episode, not in the order of all 86 episodes, but we got three grading systems. We got Made, which is untouchable, like Made mm -hmm. Men, Good Earner, where it's pretty good, or Just Another Envelope. He's like, okay, it was cool. It was decent, mm -hmm. which we know Sopranos, Every episode, for the most part, is really, really good, but we're going to try to have a fair assessment. So, Spike, what would you rank this? Is this a made episode, Untouchable? Is it a good earner, which is pretty good, or is it just another envelope? It was decent. It's a made episode, depending on, for me especially, because I'm very familiar with the series. Mm -hmm. I could see how a first-timer would say this is just another envelope. Because what you're still doing is building the foundation. I have the benefit, though, of having seen this a couple of times and catching some of the nuances and knowing how they'll play out and those being fascinating to me mm -hmm. on a multiple rewatch. So for me, it's a made episode. However, I could understand just another envelope. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Made episode. Uh, if I, I think if you're a new first-time watcher, you may think it's just another envelope being decent, but I think this is made, especially when you go and watch the whole series, that you understand the, the validity and importance of this episode. So I definitely think it's made. Uh, this is optional here, but maybe we'll do it now. Maybe we'll do it later, but I was going to say like your favorite moment or of the episode or or we can do that next time. But that Gary Cooper. The Gary Cooper. The Gary show. Cooper. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, him breaking that down, feeling like the strong side of type, because that resonates with me. Yeah, uh, for me, the best, my favorite scene was the bridge uh, with Mahaffey, like the way the the subtle Still. threatening, like throwing that ice cream, like that was so smooth. So uh, that was my favorite. But we'll get into some of those things a little bit more on the next episode, y'all. We thank y'all for listening. Uh, I don't have the email pulled up here for people to uh, chime in here, but we'll we'll get an IG going here and maybe some of the screenshots or something. We'll we'll try to have some interaction with you all. But I, I'm glad that y'all hearing this from us, me and Spike Lou. Um, y'all can check out our other podcasts. Just look them up. I'm, this is not really for the plug section. I just want y'all to return next next week on uh, Good Earners. Uh, and this is what we do, episode man. Two. Yep. Episode yep. two. Yep. Next week we'll break down episode two, which is titled 46 long. Yes. 